Where in Drift Park does Olivia live? Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> because previously, when she was held aboard Drift Park, uh, the medical office that she worked out of was essentially also her room. It was sort of the, the confines that she lived in the entire time. And I'm curious, is that what is the case this time? It is up to her. So she's less a prisoner this time and more a guest <laughs> who is being asked by Cassius to help find a living Maxwell. So he says, like, where do you want to live? You can go back to your medical offices, which are, I guess I've, I've been to Disney World, but I've never got injured there. I assume if you get injured in Disney World, they take you to like Mickey's special pain house. <laughs> Uh, they usually don't flavor the medical tents, I think, just to keep people from accidentally wandering in with, like, uh, Crocs and, you know, <laughs> dad bods and whatever uh -huh. stuff they, yeah, the uh, white wasp families have when they go to Disneyland. I don't know. I, my family was too poor to ever go to one. But what Hershey Park had was one located right between Chaco Junction and the Hershey Park Rivers. I have been to Hershey Park. You've probably talked about this on the show before. So does Olivia go back there, or is there too many bad memories, and she, wanted, she wants to live in the Tilt-A-Whirl or something? <laughs> oh, man, this is a chance to live on any one of the uh, rides that I... Let's say there's an old rickety roller coaster. Mm-hmm. That uh, has like houses set up in the little place where you used to see your photos taken after. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna, yeah. Uh, and, and she chooses to live there because she doesn't want to go back to that medical office. Yeah. And uh, that's not the only thing she wants to say. Uh, she wants something from Cassius. Okay. So before she even goes to it, she's going to say to Cassius, I want your gun. Fuck. <laughs> Man, Chris is good at this game. All right, yeah. He Cassius gives you the gun he used to kill Doctor Tenma, and which he carries around. He doesn't go to like frontline combat a lot, so he doesn't carry like an assault rifle at all times or whatever. You know, he's mostly a figurehead for propaganda purposes. So he, the only weapon he carries is this pistol, and he hands it to you. It's not a particularly impressive pistol. It's a standard issue one. Okay, Olivia's gonna slide that into her pocket. I don't, I don't know how guns work. Where do guns go? The holster. You had a gun before, the one you gave to Objectivus. <laughs> Once I hit it, the, the screen immediately cuts to Objectivus in his goo t tank, and he's just swimming around the gun, like, yes, I love my gun. <laughs> he has a whole Disney uh, song and dance routine about his gun. Little bubbles pop out of the gun, like it's like a treasure chest in the fish tank that opens and closes every so often. I am the gun, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be like a shiny kind of song? Absolutely. No. I don't think I like a objectivist anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, so Cassius gives you his gun, and you go to live in uh, an old rickety roller coaster <laughs> area. Well, I mean, every ride has like an entire. Uh, they have like a vestibule or whatever you'd want to call it, like just like a place where employees work, essentially. The, I mean, theme parks are full of secret passageways and underground tunnels and stuff. It's wild. Like if you're really into the stuff, I'm from Florida, obviously. Everyone I know worked for Disney at some point. So it's like there's a secret hidden uh, building inside of everything. <gasps> Austin, did you work for Disney? I did not, unfortunately. Oh, but you could have been in the New Kingdom Hearts then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like, so in a press triangle and Austin. 
Austin pops up to start up the tilt-a-roll that Donald, Goofy, and Sora smash a bunch of Heartless with. That'd be great. I mean, I, technically, I guess I can say I did work for Disney because I worked for uh, Blip. Blip, which was owned by Maker Studios, which is owned by Disney. And my brother worked for Disney uh, in the sense he worked for ESPN, which is owned by Disney. Oh. So, yeah, I guess we worked for Disney in a roundabout way. So you're kind of a Disney princess. Kind of, yeah. God. Yeah. Whew. Glorious times. So describe the space. What does is, what is, uh, Dr. Adler's uh, roller coaster house look like? Well, I imagine that a lot of the rides over at Drift Park were repurposed into living facilities by members of Evicta. And members of Evicta are um, pretty unilaterally uh, different, like former military members, veterans, things like that. Uh, there are a couple people who are just... yeah angry racists i guess who may have joined the group as well but a lot of it seemed to be people with some kind of experience and past in the illithid war so i imagine a lot of the interiors are pretty simplistic like it's probably a lot of things that have been, just been torn out to kind of be um practical and less about like comfort so it's not a very well decorated area uh, this just happens to be a place where olivia could be by herself there's not anyone else there but it's probably just like kind of like a cot you know like a footlocker on the floor and then you know some rudimentary lighting up into the the ceiling yeah so there's this like juxtaposition of like military barracks with uh disney-esque a uh, happy-go-lucky aesthetic i like it a lot so dr adler's in her room she's kind of you know making it as livable as she can and there's a knock on the door someone's waiting for you <laughs> It's impossible to podcast with Chris when he gets something in his head. Uh, so I'm going to go up to the door and uh, I'm going to be like, who's there? Uh, like Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Do you remember what character you're playing? It's not Katarina. <laughs> Damn it. Why can't you just let me follow my flights of fancy? I know. Uh, uh, I'll go up to the door and I'll open the door. Uh, standing at the door is a hummingbird, Aracocra. Uh, so like a very slight kind of bird woman, little fluttery wings. Uh, she is basically the shortest uh, kind of Aracocra that you can imagine. Like probably Lauren Morgan height, if I had to say. Mm. Like freakishly small, you understand. So very tiny, constantly besieged by cats, incredibly capable and uh, <laughs> uh, intelligent. <laughs> we cut this out of the episode, but she got attacked by her cats <laughs> mid-recording. <laughs> um, yeah, so this li this little air coker woman, she says, uh, "Hello, my name's Rita. I'm the conduit of calm. I'm just gonna uh, touch base with you. Apparently, uh, or uh, she wouldn't say apparently. She'd say." I do PR for Invicta. Um, Cash has let me know that you're going to be staying here as a guest for a while. I can take care of anything you need. Uh, how's everything so far? How are you enjoying your stay? In the most deadpan, Daria-like manner, she's going to say, it's lovely. Oh, I'm so glad to hear it. Um, if you need anything, you can let me know. Um, here, there's a, and she like shows you on the wall, there's like a line you can call for like, you know, this used to be uh, like for employees at the park to say like, we have someone who threw up on this roller coaster or whatever. Oh. It's like, this is how you're getting in touch with other people. And she says, I can get any messages you need to Cassius. Um, my understanding is that he, you, you're going to be very busy with all kinds of stuff. So you might not have a chance to get, talk to him personally. Um, and you understand immediately that Cassius is like, oh, Olivia is not going to want to talk to me in person. So I've sent my personal assistant <laughs> to go between because the sight of him disgusts you. Mm. 
So Rita, R-I-T-A, conduit of calm, and her conduit is she just uh, constantly emits uh, calm emotions, the spell. Um, she is here if you need anything. What brought someone like you into a Victor, Rita, if I may ask? Uh, I went to school for communications, and um, this is just a kind of up-and-coming uh, organization. You know, there's a lot of opportunity here. I think we're, we're doing a lot of good, and we're going to stop the elethids. Oh, my poor sweet summer baby. <laughs> I'm going to slam the door. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You just slam the door in the tiny woman's face. Yeah. All right. Let me know if you need anything. Chai whiskey cocktail. <laughs> okay. Vitrola. <laughs> what does Dr. Adler do on her first night back in Drift Park? Hmm. What does she try to do? I think she spends a long part of the night. Mm -hmm. uh, not like, I don't want to, when I say drinking, I don't want to make it be sound like she's like fucking Aquaman before he dives into the water, just like one handed guzzling a bottle of booze. But I imagine she spends a long part of the night, like kind of casually drinking something and trying to figure out the angle here. Like, she's spending time, I don't know if she'd be writing anything down, probably not, just to not leave anything incriminating, but she's spending a long time trying to figure out, what's the deal here? There's there's something that's got to be going on. What angle is he playing at? What, like, what's Cassius's goal here? Like a complex man in an AMC drama, mm -hmm. just madman or something like that, drinking quietly in a dark room. Yeah, well, there's not too many other things, too. She's not trying to, like sabotage this place by like sneaking around um and she certainly wouldn't just be able to relax and be comfortable so she has to do something she has to think she's trying to gain the knowledge that would give her the power back in this situation so you leveled up you're level seven <laughs> <laughs> um i so for the record chris does still have control over dr adler and there's every chance in the world that she becomes a main character again i have no idea it's not exaggeration no idea what's gonna happen so you are gonna still be leveling her up even if there isn't a high likelihood of her getting into a combat scenario inside drift park for now who knows yeah uh so as the the night wears on and dr either drinks and thinks uh nothing immediately comes to mind i imagine at some point she is going to try to to you like contact through objectivists. Mm -hmm. She feels as though it's weird that no one is trying to reach her, but she needs to kind of, she knows what's probably going to be the result of this, but she's trying anyway. She's going to try to contact objectivists. Yeah. What does she say? Hmm. I guess I can't be funny here. <laughs> it's okay. never stopped gotta, you before. I got I got to reset. It's big Lucios again. No, uh, she's going to contact out uh, objectivists and the crew of the Snellygaster. This is Dr. Olivia Adler. Can anyone hear me? Over. Olivia gets no response. In its own way, if she realizes that it's because of subjectivists, uh, is the reason why she can't be communicated, then there's a small kernel of comfort in that for her mm -hmm. because it means that the team succeeded in the mission and Subjectivist is alive, which is ultimately what her uh, 
kind of crazy move back there was meant to accomplish. So she tries to contact the team, doesn't get a response, and there's like a moment of sadness, but then she's it like steals her resolve, basically. Yeah, because there's a moment of like, you know, you're on your own here, and it's an unfortunate place to be again, but there's definitely a nugget of warmth in that, of, uh, of uh, you know, confidence building kind of energy where she's like, all right team did it now i gotta do my part you know last time on dice funk can leave any time okay how do i just like Think about it real hard. Gods don't ask permission. Maybe you have with you just a big old inflatable that you activate in the doorway and it plugs up the You door. brought an inflatable raft mm. thinking that that was going to be your escape route. I brought an inflatable raft because I thought that would save us. And it was just big enough to wedge the door. What we know is Cassius carrying a bandaged uh, but unconscious Olivia Adler to a mech that is standing on like the helicopter pad of this complex. It is the oh, red. No. It is the red wolf. Any chance you coming with us? Yes, I suppose there's a chance. You could always take me by force. What about not that? You are not safe here. Empire wants only one thing. Do you know what that is? Power. Expansion. More. 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 More of everything. Are you okay? You guys are acting weird. You threatened to just, like, kill a bunch of innocent people today. That's a little weird. It's got us a little on edge, not gonna lie. I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a politician. I don't think about any of this. I'm doing my job. Do your job or I'll make you do it. I pull out the, uh, the, the shotgun and go, you're not really in the position to be giving orders right now. <laughs> Once you declare war on Seoul, we have to destroy the Caravella family. You can try. She she attacks the, the arm and the sort of ball and chain wraps around the arm and something something cracks in there. Something has something bad has happened in that arm. You know, I really liked you, Jacqueline. If you ever wanna stop being a you know, puppet for the police state, feel free to come join the ship, but uh Otherwise, I go where the captain goes. Sol hates us. Our friend's been kidnapped. We need to get some mechs and get after Olivia right the fuck now. Time for us to all sit down with the doctor and have therapy. That doctor, are you ready to facilitate this? And it just cuts to an empty chair and crickets. Silver lighting. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, is Drake glad to see Olivia gone? No, no, God, no! I'm just making a joke. <laughs> I like to think like Sasha put like a glamour shot of her on the empty chair. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cute. 
Um, that also kind of clashes with the vibe of what I was going to say, which was, I think the episode starts, everybody's like having a team meeting about what happened inside the purest compound, and Sasha gets to the part in the story where she says, yeah, and then Dr. Adler went inside a tiny hut with her kidnapper, and I just kind of left a note in the middle of a muddy battlefield and walked away, uh, at which point Courage flips the table and lunges at you. Uh. Oh. Hold on. (laughs) First of all, I'm going to dexterity saving throw. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get a plus four. So I rolled a 13. <laughs> I rolled a nine, but with his plus four, I get a 13. All right, so you flap backwards out of your chair, and he, like, slams into your chair, and he's like, is anybody going to grab him? Yeah, uh, Big Star is going to uh, muscle him down to the ground. Okay, Big Star wrestles Courage to the ground, and Courage is just sending out electrical signals of extreme anger at you, Sasha. They're not even coherent words. She literally cut me off and abandoned me in the middle of a battlefield. I It was, stay there, an objectivist and I die, and the same thing would have happened, or we did our own thing, which she clearly wanted, because she wouldn't talk to me, and she cut me out with a magic spell. Adler! Sacrifice limb for me. We should sacrifice for her. Well, we're gonna go get her. Courage stops fighting you, Big Star. (laughs) Oh, that's good now. The doctor (laughs) would not want this to be the way you respond to this sort of a situation. (laughs) Oh, it's gonna take some getting used to. All right, let's establish. Uh, Chris, you're playing Big Star now, of course. That was the we've, yes. We've we've reached the point of every season where Chris goes. Time for my backup character to step in. Chris and I were not planning this the whole time. For the record, you were going to try to play Doctor Adler as long as possible. It just so happens that we make a lot of NPCs that Chris uh, is eyeing, like mm-hmm. that girlfriend meme, the distracted boyfriend meme, at all times. I'm like, has a, a healthy character over here, but I'm like, ooh, but I could play that uh, giant muscle man with no organs inside of him. Austin, how's that Zodar doing? Just in case uh, something should happen to Big Star. <laughs> that would be really easy to role play. You just say, like, I walk forward, I pick him up, and I crush him. <laughs> <laughs> I never speak, so that would work out really well. <laughs> Although I'd, I'd blow his three words by being like, uh, like ordering a sandwich and then being like, no cheese, please, or something like that. <laughs> then he can't talk the rest of his life. He can speak three times. It's not three words. Oh, well. Yeah. I guess everything I think is dash then. <laughs> okay. Is it like three phrases or is it like three times? So he could like monologue for like several hours and that's one time. Yeah, could he filibuster this shit? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you possess sufficient data to know that, but there's just the lore is there are three times they can speak. So I'm imagining Austin in his mind is just like imagining already going into Audacity and just taking delete over this entire conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So ev- everyone is sad. How what 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 we doing? Yeah, that's that's up to you guys. So what do you do? Uh, let's run down everyone on the crew right now. Captain Melbeck, obviously. Dreg, he big. Sasha, she got goggles. We have Big Star. He even bigger, maybe, with the horns. I don't know. Which one of you is bigger? He might be bigger. I think Big Star's, like, I, I think it, I think uh, ogres are bigger than Minotaurs. I think we're going to have them both lean up against the doorway. Sasha will fly to the top and mark how tall they are. And then we'll see who's taller with a marker. It's like when little kids grow up. 
Roll to be tall. <laughs> uh, what do you roll for that? 19. Wow. Suck my nuts, Conrad. <laughs> wow. Chris is combative uh, tonight. Yeah, I only got 17. So. Damn. You're nothing. You're garbage. <laughs> I think we can, we can say that Drake maybe has worse posture. I, I know the picture of the ogre in the monster manual is hunched over to like half of his possible height. So... <laughs> I like to think Dreg's uh, big star looks taller at all times, but Dreg is not a particularly uh, great postured man. That's probably true. Uh, we also got objectivists and subjectivists on the crew. We have Ragnar, we have Courage, and we have Half Thor Grunderson, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's the nine people on the ship. I, um, I've got a question for you, Austin, while we're talking about members on the crew. How are they feeling about the fact that we've suddenly gone against government? <laughs> yeah, let's run that down. So obviously, Subjectivist is cool with it because uh, he doesn't want to be kidnapped and used as a weapon. Objectivist mostly wants chicken wings and a body. So Yeah, same. <laughs> that's his political stance. Uh, Big Star <laughs> wants to save Dr. Adler, although I guess, Chris, you can speak for Big Star now. Nah, he's cool with it. <clears throat> um, Ragnar says to you, uh, maybe not at this meeting, but... Uh, he pulls you aside, yeah. Captain Melbeck, and says, So if we are caught, I, I assume you will back me up when I say that I was infiltrating your crew for a big bust. And, uh, oh, you know. of, of course, of course. Uh, either you were infiltrating us or we kidnapped you. Either way, I'm totally good with uh, being the villain when our friendship inevitably falls apart at some big <laughs> government tribunal. All right, sounds good. I will help you until you are caught and probably killed or imprisoned for life. Sounds good. Dope. Wonderful. Here's the thing. Only, only prerequisite. If I end up in space prison... You've got to be pen pals with me. You've got to, at the very least, let me have someone to talk with over letters. All right, now that cursive will not be for nothing. I do not why I teach it to you. For what? <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. I, I had to learn it just in case one day I have to send you pen pal letters from prison. <laughs> uh, Courage is obviously on board to save Dr. Adler. He never had any particular love for Soul. In fact, Soul is basically an occupying force in Markov that only wants the solitaire for their graphene. And he says to you, like, hey, I didn't say anything because you guys were working for these guys the whole time. I'm just doing this in Austin voice because it would take a long time to say it as Courage. He just says, like, so you remember how we found the food project and then Soul kind of took it, even though this is not their place and then we went and saved some animals but it turned out that Invicta did it and because Invicta is basically politically untouchable they were just let go with no consequences Yeah. and then remember how the government made Ragnar destroy Captain Melbeck's life for no reason Yeah. and then remember like he just kind of runs down all the, the things that Sol has been doing this entire campaign and was like so you guys seem pretty cool with that up until recently so I wasn't going to say anything but I've, I've always been on team fuck these guys well, see, here's the thing. We didn't want to go against Austin's story straight away. We put everything the scenes. That is not historically true for new listeners. They tear apart the story at the first provocation last season. Oh, it's my favorite. I mean, Lauren famously derailed season three, and season four never was on rails. Chris set it on fire yeah. out the gate, uh, pretty much episode like two. So I know, I know. I'm being silly. Yeah. But um, yeah, what, what I am confident hearing from this is we made a decision as a small group there were other people on that ship and i'm glad to hear that they are on board with this yeah last is of course half thor grunderson who doesn't care what y'all do as long as he's getting paid don't give a fuck 
Nice. Wonderful. I am. I'm. I, we got a good. We got a good thing going here. Oh, speaking of that, uh, spe- uh, the whole uh, basically the police using Captain Melbeck to take down the Caravella family, destroying her life in the process, and all that. Ragnar says to Dreg, like, D- you know, we left Caravella family alone for a long time to operate in Markov. I assume now you understand why there was some such sudden interest in family. Not really. Just happy to be done with them. He taps your shield. The squeeze. Soul did not care if Caravella family steal luxury goods and sell them. If anything, it increases Soul's cultural control over other systems to have them hooked on our goods. But once Caravellas tried to get in on graphene market, they became competitor. Drake has no response. He just nods and looks away. Um... So, questions from here, just logistically. Um, do we have, A, any leads on where to go to go after Dr. Adler? And B, probably need a mech to deal with that whole go go deal with the person with the big mech thing if we want to get Dr. Adler back. Do we have our mechs yet? Good questions. Uh, we'll start with the first one. Uh, big Star would know that uh, Cassius would take Dr. Adler to Drift Park, the amusement park space station in orbit around Gloria. So you know where Dr. Adler is. Second question, uh, you guys ordered your mechs from Gabriel, who is a Markov native. He's uh, from Gloria, the dark side. So you guys can get your mechs when they're ready for delivery, which will be soon. So we'll get back to that probably this episode. Okay, okay. Um, If you had ordered your mechs from Seoul, this would be a much different situation. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm very, very glad that we did what we did there. That, that, that could have been very, could have been very tricky. And to be clear, you guys 100% had real agency in this choice. There's an entire other campaign where you guys are like, no, the elephants are too big a threat. We're going to team up with these guys and fuck them up. So, so big, uh, big story is going to say then as well that, uh, we still have access to the flash drive that Olivia left behind, which Mm -hmm. one of the things included in that is a detailed schematic of drift park. Yep. So we can use that as a potential way to infiltrate as well. I like to think big star like plugs in the thumb drive to like a holographic projector. So you guys can see drift park is projected like on the table and all of its different layers and stuff. Very minority report. And let's make a war room. A, a stealthy mission is potentially on the cards because we have the the knowledge to do so. Or we can blow everything up but know how to get in once we're there. Or know how to blow everything up when we need to get out. Sasha's going to knock everything off the table and start making a war room. So Drift Park is a fully militarized station at this point. Invicta uses it as staging ground. They have a you know m- multiple battalions of mechs. It's like not something you want to just approach casually. And in fact, using a stealth approach might be successful. But if you're caught, like it's just party wipe. Game ends. Yeah, yeah. If if we get caught and we are not like in those mechs, we're probably screwed. Yeah. But you also know that Dreg, uh, the Caravella family, is now a enemy of Soul, and you are intrinsically tied up in this. So it might be a good idea to use uh, Anthony's fleet, the Man of War, and all of his arrow wings to assault Drift Park in a in an all out battle uh, to s- then get inside and get Adler. That's an option. Um, that could also simply be the distraction. Mm. 
that facilitates a stealth mission in to retrieve her. Yeah, like a two-prong attack. Everyone loves a two-prong attack. Everyone loves a two-prong attack. Oh, yeah. Another thing that's on the flash drive is Cassius's medical records, which I don't know we took a particularly close look at last time. Um, Dr. Idler obviously administered his medical care. You guys can look over that. You see that his wing was completely destroyed, replaced with a graphene wing, which is, could actually have higher like capabilities than a natural one. But because it, he needs to be balanced to fly, it's actually mm. more or less exactly the same as his other wing. So it's, it doesn't have like a secret jetpack or anything in it because he wouldn't be balanced to, fl- to fly. In the crash, he, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inhaled a bunch of like toxic gas and stuff. Obviously destroyed his throat, messed up his lungs. He has trouble breathing and speaking. A a thing that you didn't know before now, I think, is that he was like medically brain dead for like 30 seconds in the crash. That explains a lot. Um, And it it appears, according to Adler's notes, that that may have had some significant effect on not just his personality, but... Uh, his conduit as well. It like the notes say like he was always the conduit of freedom, but it appears that its properties changed after the crash. And then we turn the page and we see the bit where he's deathly allergic to peanuts. Yes. <laughs> well, the problem would still be getting close enough to hit him with a peanut because he can kill. I mean, oh, peanut gun. Oh, I don't know. I think I can throw a peanut very well <laughs> and then use a lot of rerolls. A flamethrower, to... <laughs> but it's peanut butter. If I rerolled enough times, I could get a peanut into an air vent to get it near to him. Uh, Sasha, you explained to the group you saw his conduit in action that he can just teleport inside anyone and they explode. It's very bad. And in fact, uh, you are correctly convinced that before you guys assault Drift Park, you need to figure out a way to neutralize that. Any attempt made to save Dr. Adler before you have dealt with that is doomed to me saying, he uses his reaction to teleport inside you. You are dead. He uses his reaction to teleport inside you. You are dead on every character who tries to attack him. So. So we need some foolproof way to incapacitate his ability to explode us from the inside out. Uh, I don't know if it would work on me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> would he suffocate if he were contained entirely within drag using his conduit power? That's a good question and something that you might want to try in a last ditch effort if it comes to it. I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested in it. I just don't know, actually. Because, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't imagine drag surviving it either, but <laughs> it'll be bad. Um, it would be bad. If nobody else has anything to say in this group scene, more generally, we can break off into the level ups because each of your, uh, because this is such a specific situation, you guys are kind of on the run hiding mm-hmm. uh, from Soul right now. We're not going to like gallivant around the universe. Like, yeah, check- petting dragons and shit. Yeah. Checking on in on people. So I- I'm going to have the NPCs basically approach you and pitch different solutions if you guys are ready for that. I'm ready for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Um, let's start with Sasha. God damn it. <laughs> I knew it. Okay, we can start with someone else, Lauren, if you don't like podcasting. No, no, hold on. Let me get a big sip of my chocolate milk. <laughs> Energy for thinking. All right, everybody, let's do this. All right, so obviously you're going to spend time with objectivists and subjectivists, the NPCs you've adopted. My boys. Uh, where would you like this to happen? Um, My room. In the nest? The nest, mm. I guess. That's where I, I like to think Subjectivist probably gets his own room if there is one because he's big. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if there isn't one, I don't know how much space is left on the ship, then he can have his own nest. 
I think Subjectivist like specifically asks for like the smallest enclosed room possible because he wants to be left alone at all. Can just clear out my walk-in closet and just yeah. put him in there. He's <laughs> just gonna sit cross-legged in your closet with the door closed, the lights off. Um, he says to you, "So I'm the conduit of isolation. I means I'm basically projecting a field of non-detection around the Snallygaster at all times. So, not, I mean, if I leave." soul figures out where you are using magical detection spells a hundred ships teleport here and blow you to pieces and arrest any survivors so oh it's a good thing we've got this particular friend (laughs) yeah thanks bud i appreciate that it's not for you i just want to be left alone and this is where i can be left alone because apparently they figured out where i was in the cultist compound i thought i was safe oh no objectivists I did not know they were going to run a background check on me when I when I responded to the embassy. Yeah, I mean, you never know. I guess I should have known, but I don't think about background checks. <laughs> Sasha does not think of far ahead. She thinks backwards somehow. Magic. Who knows? It's a, you know, galaxy brain. Mm. So I'm going to talk about my level up. Please. Because I'm really excited about the two spells I took. For level seven, really all I got was I got a fourth level spell slot. Uh, so I get a fourth level spell. I took polymorph. So like I could there could be a guy I'm fighting and I could like turn him into a mouse. And then all of a sudden his hit points are the hit points of a mouse. You morph his poly. Yeah. Um, and then because I get non-detection from my big boy, I replace non-detection with tongues that way, Sasha's learning how to respect boundaries and doesn't always have to invade people with objectivists when trying to speak with them. Because aliens. You didn't explain what tongues does. Oh, I can... Uh, if I cast it, basically everybody like in my area, I think it's a 30-foot radius, uh, can understand everybody else. As long as you speak one language, you can understand everybody. Languages. Yeah, so now I can be friends with aliens, and I can leave objectives behind, or, you know, just not, like, mind-break people to talk to them. I thought you made a baby Bjorn so you could carry me around. Yeah, but sometimes it's dangerous. I want to fly the mech. Okay, we'll work on that. Zoom! Ooh, does the baby Bjorn detach so he can have his own fucking little tiny spaceship? <laughs> no, I think you just give him like a little toy wheel so he can turn it and think he's driving like oh, a kid. Okay, so like he can like mentally turn it with his brain powers? It's, no, it's a really little wheel and he wraps his tadpole body around it. <laughs> okay, so it goes inside his fish tank. <laughs> I just drop a toy wheel in there. Uh-huh, yeah, it's like a, like a Gran Turismo wheel. Wow, okay. <laughs> you don't want him to drive? No, I'm just, um, it's a lot mm-hmm. to think about. Um, that's all I get. I got two spells. Okay, level seven bard, various spells. Yeah, two spells. I get to t- turn stuff into stuff, which I will totally not abuse. Uh, and I can talk to everybody, and everybody can understand me and talk back. Okay, subjectivist says, before I go in my closet and you never speak to me again, <laughs> because I find you sure all, that's going to happen. I find you all extremely grating. Uh, here's this, and he reaches into his pocket and pulls out like a small um, metal. It looks like a almost like a remote control, and he hands it to you. And he says, uh, "This is a wand of dimension door. I used two of the charges. It has one more left. Feel free. I'm not going to leave this ship again." So, oh, I'm so glad I didn't take dimension door. It only has one charge. 
That's fine. I take it later. Uh, so what are you guys gonna do? You're gonna get us all killed trying to save the doctor? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. I have no emotional attachment to her, so. She's, uh, I have complicated feelings, but, uh, she's a teammate, and also we need her for the food project, so. We need her. Okay, I don't care about politics. Can I go to my closet now, or? Well, you should care, because if everybody was chill, then, like, people would be more likely to leave you alone, whereas with everybody not being chill and wanting to fight each other, they're more likely to look for you, so I mean... Well, you sold me. (laughs) That is, in fact, exactly what I needed to get involved. Yay! Teamwork. Family. Mm, Well, let's not get hasty. Um, so... What? Family? No! Okay, we'll work on it. Uh, Subjectivist tells you that when, well, he was kicked out of the the Elder Brain colony him and Objectivist were in, and the way you heard it, I think in the, the briefing from Jacqueline, was he was kicked out for being like a possible usurper because he's a ulitherid, but he tells you it was actually more like he, his antisocial tendencies are considered... Like heresy. Yeah, not quite so religious because they're a hive mind species, so it's it's right. It's like a disease to be antisocial, which spreads throughout the organism of the colony. So him wanting to be left alone is disgusting, bad for morale. Yeah, <laughs> and so that was part of why him and Objectivist were asked to leave. It was just like, oh, this whole clutch of tadpoles is uh, just bad apples. We need to get rid of them. Um, but they were reassigned because it was like, oh, you might as well. Do do something on your way out. Obviously, Objectivist was sent to the food project on Fairmont, and uh, Subjectivist tells you he was reassigned to uh, analyze some mysterious alien artifacts on the other side of Fairmont, but he just went AWOL and escaped to Gloria and joined the purists. But he tells you that now that he recognizes that the form of synchronicity is overlapping with the world perhaps there is some significance to the magical alien artifacts on the other side of fairmont so oh fuck he tells you that if maybe are they still there that's a good question he tells you that maybe this is all part of synchronicity that the way to stopping cassius is these this thing he was told about but decided not to explore so that's what he has for you he says like it's a long shot statistically i would tell you Probably not, it's nothing, or if not, just not, it might not be relevant. But it sounds like a mystery. Yeah, it is a mystery, but he tells you. Oh, no. Here's the thing he says. In Illithid culture, there is a story, like a legend we tell, that Illithids conquered every possible galaxy, every species, every ecosystem, every solar system fell to the Illithid Empire. And there were, until there was no resistance left. And so in existential boredom, uh, some brave pioneers invented magical technology to fling themselves back to the beginning of time to seed the primordial planets at the beginning of life to start over the cycle of empire. And this is to explain how Illithids appear in, like, prehistoric medieval times in every Dungeons & Dragons setting. Um, He says he doesn't know if it's true, but magical artifacts of this nature are often tied into this legend in the same way 
we have like uh the holy grail or right. excalibur or something like that so it's just like ooh this might be related to this mystical legendary quest and that's the kind of it was like run the same department that handles that kind of stuff was the one that would would have been assigned to investigate the artifacts on Fairmont. Well, and then me, Sasha, uh, I think maybe it's also related to the, the Rygar. Endless possibility. And so Sasha really wants to go check out those artifacts. It's all connected, man. It's all connected. So do you have anything else you want to ask or tell objectivists or subjectivists? So how are you boys getting along? Great. I love to meet my brother. Uh, I'm going to go in my closet. I'll talk to you guys later. Or not. I don't care. Okay, but you should spend some time with your brother. I would love to. Maybe later. Okay, I'm, we're going to hold you to that. <laughs> he, a subjectivist walks out of the, like, walks into the closet, closes the door, turns off the light, sits down. Objectivist is like, I think that went pretty well. Yeah, I think so too. He didn't say no. He just said later, which is not no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be friends eventually. <laughs> if I could high five you, I would, objectivist. All right. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go next, cause why not? Let's let's do it while I still have a voice. Captain Melbeck, you and Ragnar hanging out. Where you be? I think we are hanging out in the uh, the the ship's little bar section. I think we're <laughs> we're pulled up. We're we're pulled up at the uh, the sort of um, bar counter on some stools, just getting turned, having having a drink and just decompressing because it's been a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you are a level seven ranger, is my understanding. Yes, I'm a level seven ranger. I have some good things that happened. And one not so good thing, which which maybe we'll get out of the way first. Captain Melbeck took a bit of bit of pain to the arm last episode. Uh, I think a sort of magical mace wrapped around it and didn't do it any favors. Um, so the consequence we've decided for that is uh, overall strength is going down by two points, which brings my bonus down from a zero to a minus one. Captain Melbeck not so strong anymore. Um, she was like. Zero. That's an average. Was fine. She's she's now she's now slightly bad at, at strength, but I do get some cool things for my level up. So some extra HP always appreciated. Uh, I learned a new spell. My new spell is Pass Without Trace, which could be very very useful if we decide to go the stealth route on this whole uh, try and recover Doctor Adler thing for up to an hour. Each creature I choose gets plus 10 to stealth checks and can't be tracked except by magical means. So that's pretty good for keeping the party. As long as we stay in a 30 foot range of me, I can give everyone plus 10 stealth. Yeah, everyone lost their shit at the image of Captain Melbeck sneaking through uh, the compassion uh, during that Metal Gear segment. And it's like <laughs> your commitment to the stealthy hippo is just chef kiss. Yeah, like, we, we never, like, it's not come up a huge amount, but the image we have in Roll20 for, for Captain Melbeck is the the hippo doing doing ballet from Fantasia, because it's just very dexterous, dainty hippo. Huge hippo, very dainty. <laughs> I love her so much. 
Yeah, so she she can now make all her friends do the like big person small energy stealth thing now, so that might come in useful. Plus ten to anything is a very good thing to add onto your rolls. Additionally, I get a new ranger ability at level seven. Uh, I had some defensive ones to pick between. I picked multi-attack defense. So if a creature hits me with an attack, I get a plus four bonus on my AC if they try and attack me again in the same turn. So hopefully events like the one that led to me losing some some strength points on my character sheet won't happen again. <laughs> Yeah, that's especially good with the way I usually DM, where I just roll really, really quick. So I'm just like, attack, attack, okay, attack, attack, okay. And here it would just be, like, extremely bad for me to continually attack Melbeck, because you just get AC bonuses. Yeah, which means that I can actually, like, do stuff and not just get, like, squashed down. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's my level up stuff. All right. Ragnar starts off with... So, according to my police training, the obvious next step would be to find an associate of Cassus who has uh, insider information and have him flip on his superior. It is uh, a tactic as old as time. Uh, The number one place to find former Invicta who may be vulnerable to flip is Terminator Prison. Okay. Are you suggesting we prison break... In order to, like, before we even start the rescue attempt. The uh, the actual approach is open to multiple lines. We could blow up prison and sort through bodies. <laughs> we could sneak in and do <laughs> interviews. We could get arrested and do it from inside. There are many different options. However, my professional device is to find former Invicta who has Cash's secret inside prison and get them to give up this information. Hmm. It's an interesting concept. My, the thing that I bear in mind there is that's it's it's a potential risk of putting us on the radar before we've even begun. Oh, yes. If we <laughs> slip up and it's known that we went after his associates, that's just going to put Cassius on alert. And to be fair, Cassius is probably already on alert for our arrival because, you know... He's got our doctor. I suspect he probably knows we're coming. So maybe I'm just overthinking this whole idea that 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 him knowing that we've got after his associates will be the thing that tips him off that we're coming. Well, I have read his dossier, his medical files, and I cannot say for sure that he has particular love for his underlings. Uh, my interpretation of his psych profile is... That he is someone ruthlessly invested in his own advancement, and not so much anything else. Well, he's clearly been invested in some people around him. Like, he's clearly not entirely self-interested. Self, uh, we saw him get very, very, very pissed off when I believe Sasha... I believe her phrasing was, we've got your bitch. Yes, as you may know, Elizabeth Bohr, the person we had as hostage at time, is important for propaganda purposes. She is lone survivor of famous massacre and important to many Kuatoa and their recruitment for Invicta. So losing her would have been bad for his power base. I see. So it's less about her, the person, and more about her as a 
as a sort of symbolic statue to be held aloft. Yes. Hmm. And I do not want to sell you false bill of goods. Uh, sneaking into or blowing up or fighting inside prison is very bad. We will most certainly have to kill many people, but that is sometimes how police work happens. <laughs> well, you, you say that. If I were to go in there solo, I could grant myself plus 16 on stealth for an hour. I could probably get in and get out undetected. You are captain, I will not second guess. However, I will say that if we go with this method, I am pretty sure we find something, but it is always going to be complicated. That is the nature of our work, so... Oh, yes, yes, I'm aware. I'm sure this isn't a case of I I did stealth, whole mission goes without a hitch. That's not how these things tend to go. It's actually interesting, because so far, the way this campaign has been structured is, is I give you guys two options, and you do one and then the other. Mm. So you always get everything I write. It's just how far things have advanced. Here, there's going to be... Uh, more than two options, and there's no guarantee you will get to do any of the ones you don't pick. Yeah, yeah. They are fully fleshed out arcs. They're, I, if I do say so myself, pretty cool, and I'm kind of sad you're not going to get to see all this content, but they're all viable options. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I'm here purely, like, pros and cons I- I exploring this as an option. I, I'm not, ru- like, I'm not going down this route or ruling it out at the second. Um... Yeah. Um, Ragnar does a shot and he says, you know, just in case we go to prison and all are killed or captured, I thought maybe we would have this conversation. Um, you have never asked about my scar. Well, it's one of those things. Scars are very personal. I tend to assume if a person is happy to talk about their scars, then they'll bring it up when they're ready. I, I've never felt... Like scars are my business to ask about. You are very unique. I must say that I do not know any person in my life who has resisted temptation to ask. And if you would have asked, I would have told you same lie I tell everyone. <laughs> the whole reason I got out in space in the first place was basically I just wanted to make new friends. Like, I find if you have preconceptions about people or you try and pressure people to tell you their life story off the bat it's a good way to not have any interesting conversations i think if someone's ready to tell you about something they will if not then that's their business i i'm here for whatever a person wants to present about themselves not about what i assume looking from outside yes i believe this is what dr adler was saying when there was the confrontation over her hiding her tattoo, which is to say that no one owes you access to their trauma. Indeed, and it's probably the one time I can think of where I really did mess up on that. And and, and I'll be honest, like that exemplifies what like the reason I haven't asked about those guys. It's just a case of that that confrontation did remind me people's. Business is their business. It's not it's not other people's place to ask if if, you know, it hasn't been volunteered. I appreciate this. I have never told anyone true story, although there are those who know it, medical personnel, my superiors, but never felt the need to share it person to person. However, I think it may be relevant to what we are doing. It 
if you feel that is the case, then I will more than happily listen. When people ask, I tell them I was in Illithid War, Illithid tried to extract my brain, I was saved and by police officer who was serving alongside me and I was inspired to become police. This is not true. <laughs> I grew up orphan on Mars, was adopted, uh, wanted to prove that Drow were not criminals and uh, entered police academy to become undercover in Drow society and expose their crimes to make up for cultural perception. Uh, however, on first assignment, I infiltrated Drow crime organization and it was not long before I was discovered. Um, I did all the training, I understood all of the language, the reference, the history, the religion, but it was not my culture. I was an imposter among them and they knew it. They could, they, they knew that I was wearing their civilization as a costume. And I feel deeply ashamed about this, but more deeply I feel pain when they capture me and crack my head open <laughs> with boulder and leave me to die. So after that, I was reassigned to no longer infiltrate Drow and sent to Markov, among um, Caravella, so forth, non-Drow society, which is to say, we think we are doing the right thing, no matter how much blood we have to wade through to do this right thing. The line between what's right and wrong can often be muddied by what side you're looking at it from. It's far easier to assume that the cost of doing what's right is worth paying when it's your people who are telling you that it's, it's necessary. I do not think many people set out to be bad guys. I think no. Cassius probably thinks he has good reasons for what he does, but it is not enough to just say... Everybody is wrong. Both sides are bad. <laughs> Correct. We, we, we can demonstrate mm. the difference in material evil here. Yes, yes. We have that power. But I do not want us to forget the real cost of doing what is right. It's tricky. Just before we, we went on that last mission, I... I made the Doctor my second-in-command, because it's easier to think someone's got all the answers than it is to live with the knowledge that none of us do. And I'm sure, as a crew, we're probably going to do things that we will look back on and regret. I think the only thing we can do is try and do in the moment what we think is right. And if we hurt anyone, we try and make it up, if we can, down the line. And it's not a perfect solution, it's a messy one, but I think we have to accept that we're not going to get everything right. Speaking of making things up to people, I think perhaps uh, you need second, first mate? <laughs> I probably do. <coughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, there's... there's... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there, there are conversations I, I certainly need to 
to have before this day is done. All right, uh, who's next? I guess I'm next. Conrad! What up? What are you, level seven paladin? Level seven paladin, although I didn't actually like put that number in there. Yeah, uh, level seven paladin, so um, cool. Uh, now friendly creatures can't be charmed within a 10 foot range of drag. No one is as charming as drag is from 10 feet away. <laughs> Oh gosh, that's a bad. That's bad for anyone who's within the ten foot radius. Like, where are their standards? It's clearly, clearly divine intervention at work. Uh, I also got another level two spell slot, so that's fun. That that'll be good for smashing things later. Uh, otherwise, that's really it for the level. Like a few more hit points. All right. So yeah. So, Drag, I think you probably get on a, a video call with Pearl, who's leading the Caravella family and has to receive the news that you have turned Soul's government <laughs> against the organization. Uh, she looks very disappointed, uh, but also, you know, she's professional. She shakes it off. Uh, also in shot is the Zodar standing motionless, stoic, a perfect obelisk of detached emotionless in frame so pearl says to you i guess you're gonna want the fleet when the when it's time for the assault on drift park then it seems likely all right i guess it is my professional duty to ask you this obvious question and i hope we both know that this isn't meant to be cruel and it's just something we have to consider as business people have you considered not saving dr adler it's not my decision to make. You're the boss here, so for from our perspective, it's your decision to make, but I understand you're not the boss there. That's how hierarchy do sometimes, I guess. So how are you envisioning this going? You, you storm the park, the man of war and all the arrowings fight all of Invicta's mechs. You snatch Dr. Adler from the jaws of death. You drive away. And then Invicta comes after us and hunts us down like dogs? Is there another plan for that part? We may be able to engineer something, but either way, Invicta was not going to be a friend to us. Yeah, in fact, uh, let's see, I just got a news update on my social media platform of choice. Let's say Twanter. <laughs> Which says that the Adventuring Guild has suspended operations in Markov. Interesting. Let's read further. Oh, yes. The Seoul government has contracted Invicta to take over peacekeeping operations in the vacuum left by the Adventurers Guild. That's fun. Yes. Any operations we had would have been a problem for them. Yeah. So I guess the racists are the police now. I set you up to say now with a question mark and you didn't take it. <laughs> I, well, I, was, I was trying to think if there was a better way to put it, but no, you're right. It's a now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. So assuming you have to go through with this because of your obligations and assuming you're going to drag our operation into it and that then we'll just have to deal with Invicta having the full backing of the sole government. Let's look at the positive side. Um... We may not require the entire fleet. Perhaps the man of war would be sufficient to cause the distraction we require. It is entirely possible. The positive side I have for you is that 
Before Dr. Adler was captured by Cassius, she did engage us in a project to figure out why Rygaria was destroyed, how Rygaria was destroyed, and why the destruction was covered up. I don't know if you were looped in. Do you understand that situation, boss? Go on. Uh, so the Rygar, they're a humanoid species. They look like humans until you get up close, mostly. Their planet was destroyed. They tell people it was blown up in some sort of artistic spectacle. This is untrue. It was destroyed and then blown up to cover the real cause of the destruction. That's extremely weird. Um, so our people were looking into what actually destroyed Rygaria. And we, you know, looked over the usual suspects, super weapons, extremely powerful magic. And one of the things we investigated was an alien species called the Aboleth. Do you know what the Aboleth are? Oh, God. <laughs> I think that was Conrad's out of character knowledge. Uh, yeah. Uh, go on. The Aboleth are an ancient aquatic alien species. Most people agree that if they were so inclined, they could conquer the entire galaxy. The only reason they haven't is because they don't seem interested in it. It's almost as if galactic conquest is beneath them, which is troubling. Um, they also have a genetic memory. They remember everything that's ever happened not only to them, but also all their ancestors simultaneously. Extremely, extremely dangerous. Now, we looked into them for the destruction of Rygaria because they're one of the few species which could conceivably destroy a planet. Uh, we don't have any evidence they were involved, so we wrote it off. But then you sent over the communique asking about maybe ways to counteract uh, Cassius's very deadly conduit, and we realized that maybe the Aboleth might have an answer. Uh, it just so happens that there is one on Hypatia. Oh. <laughs> In the deep, dark ocean of the megafauna planet, uh, apparently, much like the dragons, the moon dragon and the sun dragon are there, uh, they're not wild animals. They're fully sapient, conscious, right. you know, hyper-intelligent, smarter than anyone you've ever spoken to. But there's one there for reasons which you could go ask about. Um, but if any person... May be able to help you. Uh, it might be that Aboleth on Hypatia. That is my contribution to defeating Cassius. Is ask the, the smartest. <laughs> ask the horrifying deep sea creature. Right. Cool. There's only one thing that the Illithid fear: the brain-destroying empire built on slavery and misery and death, and that is the Aboleth. The only thing that the Illithid fear. Maybe your solution to defeating Cassius, or maybe he'll, maybe the Aboleth will kill all of you. I don't know. You're gonna need your mechs though to get deep, deep down into the ocean where he is. So, right. Okay. <clears throat> so, in addition to having three sources for the three options, there's kind of three themes. So, I would say like objectivists and subjectivists gave Sasha a technological answer. There's like mysterious tech. Uh, Ragnar gave Captain Melbeck a social answer, which was like, find somebody who has like leverage and information. And then there's that what Pearl gave Dreg, which is a kind of magical solution. There's just something so ancient and from many perspectives, evil, which may have some kind of magical solution. And for those who don't know, Avaleth are like 
everyone knows illithids are like basically little Cthulhu's. Like Ableths are the things that eat Cthulhu's. I love to eat a Cthulhu. Yeah. Uh, does this doesn't necessarily have to stay in the recording? Can can you just clarify the? Uh, can you just repeat what the options were in terms of what we would actually be doing on the three options? Um, so we're actually going to do a uh, big star scene real quick. I don't have an option for him because oh. I'm more interested in fleshing out big star as a character than throwing more options at you. But the three options so far are mm-hmm. go to Fairmont, the irradiated metal planet and investigate mysterious alien artifacts that are said to be there. There is go to Gloria and Terminator prison and try to find an Invicta member there who knows Cassius's weakness Mm. and then there's go to hypatia the giant animal planet and delve deep into the ocean to find an ancient alien being that is said to be with the the most powerful and deadly species basically that exists okay okay these all sound like terrible options what my option sounds great actually your option does sound great (laughs) does anybody want to describe the aboleth i just put in the roll 20 he's just like a big wiggly guy yeah well imagine a tentacle with a face. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's well. It's it's like if you took the, mouth. if you took it if you took an octopus and got rid of the head and just put a mouth where the head of the octopus. I feel like was. it should be scarier than it is, though. If if you had a tentacle, uh, if you had a tadpole with like a bunch of tails and then just gave it like all the teeth. I think that our culture's overexposure to Lovecraft has kind of tempered. The horror of these things. Everyone's just like, yeah, tentacles, I get it. I've played a video game before. <laughs> like, Ableths used to be scary, but maybe uh, 40 years after D&D was introduced, we're kind of the, over the it. The reason why that picture doesn't scare me is its teeth are so tiny. Oh, but it has so many. It's just got any bitty teeth. It's just a little guy. He's got a lot, and they're in a big circle, but they're just any bitty teeth. I feel like we could be friends. Well, no, they, they seem, it, you know, but okay. The, the problem with this image is that it, it doesn't properly represent scale. See, the, the, the teeth are still bigger than you. Yeah, he looks little. I'm sure he's very big. Yeah, but like comparatively, they're just any bit of teeth. <laughs> A single aboleth is like the size of your mech. Aww. And each of them knows, like, dark secret magics from the beginning of history. In fact, one of the things that defines Aboleth culture is that they were old when the gods were born. Oh, so I need to kill them. They're just itty-bitty babies with little teeny tiny baby teeth. (laughs) They're giant psychic monstrosities from beyond the veil of space and time. Itty-bitty baby teeth. Itty-bitty baby teeth. Either way, they both are good descriptions. (laughs) Um, so Big Star... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. What are you up to, Big Star? Oh, making sandwiches. <laughs> I think both Courage and Half Thor Grunderson are there. Um, Courage is just like uh, slurping up some nutrient paste through a, a hole in his armor, just like sucking it into the. Much like a ferret. Would you boys like a BLT? I would love a BLT, governor. That's what I call everyone, governor, because that's my understanding of British culture as an American doing a podcast. I appreciate your candid nature there, doggy. Okay, I think you confused courage with Half-Thor. That's fine. Um, (laughs) So, um, this is me again, Half-Thor. How are you holding up about the doctor going missing there, big star? Oh, I'm furious. But I can temper it. The good doctor survived before, 
and she will do so again until I rain down chaos <laughs> upon everything that Invicta has built. Here is your sandwich. I cut it into squares. <laughs> I almost spit out my chocolate milk. Hello, governor. I have to say hello, governor, to get me into the mood. Um, hello, governor. Uh, one good thing I've read about from Cash's psych profile is he is not likely to harm Dr. Adler. That's one upside. We can take, not our time, because, I mean, we do want to save her before she is, you know, traumatized any further, but she's not in any physical danger, which is something. It is a sole comfort that we can hold close to our bosoms to keep us warm at night as we prepare <laughs> to rain hellfire upon that damned amusement park. Chris, tell me about your bosom and your level up. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I need to tell you about my entire character because Big uh, yeah. is level seven and he's an artificer, which doesn't mean anything to anybody because no, we haven't had an artificer yet. And uh, I guess technically there aren't artificers in 5e. They've only been a playtest class for the longest time, but they're kind of an iconic class in D&D throughout its time. Uh, they're basically sort of the engineers and tinkerers and uh alchemists of the D, &D world uh so they're big thing. nerds yeah they're nerds but uh big stars uh, also has a gun for an arm so that's pretty cool uh mm -hmm. so that's sort of the idea that's going with it is that they're really good at putting magic into objects so big stars arm is a cannon and that's actually one of the subclasses for uh artificers not that you have to lose your arm uh, but it's much easier to just explain that the gun that he has on his arm is the cool gun that they get. So he has yeah, a, artificers get a special gun. Your character has a special gun. It's almost like you had this in mind. Yeah, it's almost as though I was playing this at the very beginning. Uh, and they also get a mechanical companion, which is the Steve Dave 2.0. So I'm sure people are going to ask about it at some point or they're maybe confused because the Tarasque is like uh, a super powerful thing. And it seems weird to get a robot one. Uh, you get a creature that has a challenge rating of two or lower as your companion and a rhino is challenge level two. So Steve Dave's just a reflavored rhino, but I also said like miniature Tarrasque. Uh to put into scale, this Tarrasque is bigger than anyone on the crew. So it's just small in the scale that uh, a Tarrasque would be, I guess. Yeah. Tarrasques are Godzilla, but this is rhino sized, right? So I can write it. This is literally a large creature, so it would, you know, in the context of D&D, takes up four times the amount of space as the rest of us. Yeah, it's in the mech hangar, which is where we, like, when it stepped out of the shadows at the end of the last episode, it was like, you guys were on the ramp where the mechs come in to the Snallygaster. That's where he yeah. was. Uh, so he has those, and he also got some cool extra spells. Uh, it's worth noting that artificers aren't really great spellcasters. Uh, I'm level seven, and I just got access to level two spell slots, so that's not really their whole thing. <laughs> uh, but they get a whole wide variety of different stuff. They're kind of like bards in that they're sort of a, a master of none, but a jack of all. So you're going to be shooting people with your arms, and you got a couple of utility options, which I assume are going to be in-universe things he engineered, like a little yes. technical tricks. And you also have a big uh, Tarrasque man to bite. Ooh, actually, one thing I want to note, because I, I want to use this at some point, and it's very important, is he has the ability to infuse magic. So instead of casting the spell, he can essentially put the magic for a spell in an object. And then anyone who at least has an intelligence score of six or higher 
can activate the object and cast the spell themselves. So he could potentially put a spell inside of like, uh, I mean, I guess a sandwich even, and then hand that sandwich to somebody else, and then they could cast a long strider by eating that sandwich. That's probably not what he'll do, but it's an option. So like the little remote control I just got. Yeah. Um, so you're in the kitchen, Big Star, with Courage and Half Thor, and we they're not going to pitch you on anything. Uh, they just kind of want to get to know Big Star better because he hasn't had a lot of screen time. So Courage is just going to say, uh, gonna kill Cassius this time? If presented the opportunity, we will have to consider when it comes down to it. An evil like him would perhaps be better left off of this world. I did have a passing thought, and I'm just going to voice this passing thought here. That is a body, and one of our crew is after one of those. Oh my god! I'm just throwing that out there into the room. Listen, I, it's, I'm not saying I look at new every every new NPC like, am I going to murder them and put my baby in there? But this <laughs> sounds bad. I'm not a big fan of that sentence, I'll be honest. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, I mean, this... this, this what, mm. so, big starts to say, I have a question for you, Courage. How are you holding up? Didn't let me stab Sasha. <laughs> yes, but that is not where your rage should be directed. You should be honing it, tempering it like an anvil on the forge into a fine blade that you can drive into the heart of Invicta. I'd have put it, if you stab Sasha, that's one less person who can help you get the doctor back. But, you know, mm-hmm. also the an- anvil analogy works too, I guess. Also, I feel like I did nothing wrong. <laughs> Courage is just emotional. Um, he, he says, you're right. Gonna whoop that dude's ass <laughs> we need to consider more than just the ass <laughs> never well right <laughs> abc always be considering and then parentheses that ass <laughs> abc that ass okay mm-hmm. um half thor says um pip pip cheerio this is how i get into the character um <laughs> <laughs> so uh about Payment. Have you guys been paid recently? What's going on with that? No, but I have been repurposing unneeded parts of the ship to use in the raw material for my inventions. <laughs> I assume that was kosher. <laughs> you're going you're going to need to, buddy. Apparently, uh, Dr. Adler's mech is basically a, a heel bot. If you're going to use it to smash some Invicta face, forgot to attach some cannons and missiles to it. I will find a way for it to shoot glorious rockets in every direction. Look, if if the worst comes to the worst, I'm sure I've got a bottle of vintage something under my bed that we could probably uh, get some good money for. I, I'm pretty sure I've got a bottle of something from a planet that no longer exists that we can crack out. I am curious, is anyone else hearing the captain chime up a lot through the overcom as though she's <laughs> listening? Oh, I, I, my apologies. I didn't realize that I was not in this conversation. It's, it's been a long it's day. Uh, speaking of the intercom, <laughs> a voice comes over. Uh, it's Gabriel the Doar. 
What's up, buddy? How you doing? How your flippers? Hey, bird brain, I got a message for you. Ah, what's that? Uh, so the mechs are ready. They're on a transport ship over to the rendezvous point, which I guess is some kind of Caravella smuggling operation. Not going to ask questions. None of my business. Um, I, the, uh, yeah, let's just say there's been some uh, complications. Yeah, yeah, I figured. What's up? So, you know Invicta? Yeah, I hate them. Yeah, they're very bad. They're in my solar system. Uh, they've sent out what appears to be some kind of war party to intercept my transport with all your mechs on it, and I would like them not to blow up my transport. Okay. Uh, we'll work on that. You, you damn well better. <laughs> we'll take care of it. Don't worry. I have complete confidence in this. All right. Oh, I mean, I'm on the intercom, so they can all hear me. Hey, idiots, go get your mechs. All right, we're going to get our mechs and send your ship back, and it'll look even better than it did before. Do you perhaps have last-minute super-missile launchers that you could attach to one of those mechs? <laughs> Any more grenades? Can I have more grenades? I gave you mines for the Snallygaster. You have, your ship is very cool. Go kill the bad guys. Fuck off. I want grenades. Bye. I, if, if we need to get something for Big Star's ship, I do still have a nebulous reward item. <laughs> So you could use that to pay half Thor, which is what he's asking, or you, I, I mean, it's up to you. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, that, I, I'm happy to pay the nebulous reward item for that. All right, half Thor says, Pip Pip Cheerio, this is wonderful. I was expecting to perhaps need to betray you at some point because of the non-payment issue and the, you being cut off from your paymasters, but this is wonderful. I'm going to help fly the Snallygaster to go get your mechs now. Everyone to the battle stations. Uh, just, just for flavor, I'm gonna make it canon that that that, that it was the the nebulous reward item is a very very expensive bottle of of booze from a planet that's n no longer around. All right, I am putting images of mechs in the <sighs> roll twenty. These are the ones that are swarming around Gabriel the Doar's transport ships. It's a they're all Gundams. Well, yeah, the the mechs are they're golden humanoid um, figures. They're made to kind of have um, like a lot of points. They're supposed to evoke a star. Uh, they are called golden jackals. Is the name of these mechs, and there are six of them, and they are surrounding Gabriel's transport, which is just a big dumb space transport. It doesn't have any weapons. It's just full of mechs. It's just delivering mechs, and it needs your help. Okay. Okay. So is is the idea here we? Use the generic mechs to protect the transport, and to, and then we get our fancy ones. Well, we we use the ship. No, oh no, okay, I I wasn't sure if that's what these six were to do with. The six golden jackals are going to destroy the ship and destroy, which has your mechs inside. Oh, oh, okay, my apologies. Okay, um, how do we fight mechs without a without without a mech? I don't remember how we do this. Well, we do have a ship. Oh yeah, we've 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 done yeah. So we basically use our stuff reflavored for the ship. Okay. I do like the idea of Captain Melbeck goes to her battle stations like, <laughs> all right, so how are we gonna fight? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We've not had to fight with the ship for a while, and I've been very laser focused on the fact we were getting Max. She's sober right now. You see, that's the thing. It like uh, it's like a muscle memory thing. The things you learn when you're intoxicated, you can only recall when you're intoxicated. Last episode, she literally rolled insight on the universe. She knew everything, and <laughs> the come down from that is like right now she's not seeing like. <laughs> 
anything. If it's if there's not like a piece of red string connecting the two points, she don't get it right now. <laughs> Oi, Captain, orders. The six golden jackals off the port bow. I actually don't know which one's port and which one's starboard. You'd think I know I'm a pilot, but it's space. Who gives a fuck? Where do I do? Uh everyone to battle stations. We need to do We need to kick their asses! Words, who's who's gonna help me here? I rolled inside of the universe. It's it's a lot. Kick their asses. Roll initiative. Five. Seven. Twelve. Eleven. Seven. Okay, well, we're going to be uh, attacking one of them mechs with the uh, fist-shaped minds of the Snallycaster. Good season. Good uh, season. It's a good season. <laughs> it's a good season. Yeah. Uh, so you got two attacks, uh, 23 and 14. Uh, those both hit, yeah. Oh. I should describe the golden jackals. They're, they are, like I said, go- they're golden, as their name implies. They're humanoid. I'm using a picture of a Gundam, basically. They're kind of spiky. They have uh, like uh, f- a forehead V. They have spikes on their shoulders. They have spikes on their arms and legs and stuff. They're small military mechs. Um, they ha- they're equipped with like laser uh, rifles, basically, and they have kind of an arm shield. They are, they're not anywhere as good as the Red Wolf. <laughs> that Cassius drives, obviously, but they're still deadly. They, they're something like if they had attacked when you guys were in the pugs, you guys would have been wiped out. Mm. Uh, yikes. Well, it's not the most damage, but uh, 16 damage between the two attacks. All right, so describe to me what happens. So the Snallygaster teleports in. There are six golden jackals around the transport. Right, and so targeting the one that is closest proximity to the uh, transport itself uh drag fires off two fist shaped uh mines that jettison off and punch their way <laughs> it's a good season yeah <laughs> we're just saying that every time something stupid happens we're just gonna say good season good season <laughs> uh so the the fist mines one hits a, a jackal right in the face another hits it in the stomach and then both explode and this uh jackal is like goes spinning off into space not destroyed but taken out of the fight um, and it is now my turn. So there's five left, and they're going to attack the Snallygaster. Yay! This is a big surprise. I was expecting them to just, you know... Chill. Leave us be. Yeah. We, we're chill. Uh, dexterity saving throws everybody as the ship is riddled with laser fire from their cannons. Eight. Everybody gets a plus four. Twelve. Twelve fails. Fuck you. Hurtful. We get plus four, so I, I just added that. So 15. Success. Uh, 28. Success. Uh, 19. Uh, so Big Star is the only one who's hit for full damage. Everyone else is going to take half. Love it. Uh, 14. So everyone takes seven, except for Big Star takes 14. Okay. And it is now Sasha's turn. Not a fan of you picking on me, Austin. You rolled bad, brah. <laughs> well, not a fan of it. Okay. The laser slams into the part where Big Star is in engineering, and he's hit by a falling beam. Like like a Telltale game, it just popped up in your real life. Chris is going to remember this. Well, see, it's your fault because you've been taking the ship apart, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, for small things. Yeah, and now you got hit by a beam. Uh, just to make this clear, my stance on murder is... Shaky. Mm-hmm. Chaotic. Neutral. So, chaotic neutral, so I might commit some murders, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't like these guys. I'd like to cast... Can I cast Shatter? It's it's 60-foot range, but it, I'm just going to do it. Fuck you. 
<laughs> so that's the constitution saving throw and their metal, so that's disadvantage, right? All right, so they're going to take da- double damage, and that's halved, so just normal damage. Just normal damage, which is still 3d8. That's good. 11. All right, yeah, so you use your mat. So are you using, you said, like, the Stalagaster has, like, the tentacles that shoot lasers, basically? I'd like to think instead, because it's shatter, that it's, like, grenade guns. Like a gun, but the bullets are grenades. How many weapons are we going to put on this ship? <laughs> All of them. Are you sure you still want to help Dreg with his mines? <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so you're going to you yeah. jump on a, a here to unannounced gun. And <laughs> you, you engage in a gun battle with these jackals and you, you shoot one a couple times, but it throws up its shield and starts blocking the shots and shooting back. And it is now Melbeck's turn. Uh, how is that one looking that has taken damage but isn't destroyed? A good a good hit could take it out of the fight. Okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna do a couple of things. Bonus action, I'm gonna ensnaring strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm gonna use my Colossus Slayer ability because that mech has already taken some damage. I do a bonus one d eight damage, and I'm gonna shoot it with the big guns. Big guns. I think uh, I believe I get two attacks, so twenty five for the first attack. Mm, let me check if that hits. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would hit an ancient dragon. 26 for the second attack. Jesus. The first, roll damage for the first one. Let's see if that kills. You might just kill two in one shot. Okay, okay. So the first one, uh, you've got to do a strength save to see if my ensnaring strike does its thing. 22 saved. Okay, that's fine. I will still do my bonus 1d8 anyway, because of my Colossus Slayer. Uh, 12 damage? Yeah, okay, roll the other damage and we'll see what we do here. Uh, another 11. Alright, so tell me what you do, Melbeck. Describe, you destroy the one that Sasha was firing, firing on. Uh, paint me the picture of that destruction. Um, so I, I imagine because Melbeck's got some, some pilot skills uh, as well as her good at shooting... Um, she's got one hand on the on the gun controls, and with the other hand, she just grabs the side of the ste- the uh, the ship's steering wheel, and just turns it to the side so that it's just a horizontal spray of bullets that just starts at the one that's already injured and just keeps ch- chuntering along towards the next one. It's just to sort of spray the bullets sideways across. Are you just saying you're Tokyo drifting, like, sideways to shoot? Yeah, yeah, no. Tokyo drift, but there's a gun on the bottom. Okay, that's extremely sweet. Uh, The one that's blocking Sasha's shots is not able to block these other shots, and you tear it in half with the gunfire. There are uh, four remaining, two down, and it is Big Star's turn. Oh, you fools are gonna pay. I was just about to have a nice tall glass of chocolate milk, <laughs> and now my body's burned. This guy gets it. And then he's going to, uh, he's gonna fire his thunder cannon at the enemies. 19. Uh, that hits. Are you just shooting your arm cannon out the, like, window, or is it another? No, I imagine. How many cannons are on this ship? (laughs) There's, well, there's very specifically a cannon that Big Star has set up that he could fire his gun into that is then amplified (laughs) and then shot out. This is the stuff he's been kind of stealing from the ship to repurpose into this, because it's very cool, and I'm sure everyone appreciates it. Yeah, I'm actually really horny for this. This is a good idea. (laughs) 18 damage. Yep, and the other one which had been raked by Melbeck's fire is, well, Chris, paint me the picture. What happens? Uh, a giant blast just uh, 
hits it in, like at first in the face, and then it just continues to grow larger and larger until the entire mech is swallowed up by this enormous laser beam. All right, so there's three down, three to go, and it's Drag's turn again. I I have this mental image of Big Star's like arm cannon. He's just like leaning against the wall, plugged into a socket that's firing. This just like examining his fingernails. It just cracks me up. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna do some attacking. All right, so we've got one attack for eighteen, and then we have a, a botch. All right, the second attack. Yeah, roll the damage for the eighteen, and then we'll deal with the botch. Ten damage. All right, so you drop a couple more mines out here, and the three um, golden jackals are like maneuvering through this this emerging minefield around the transport, but they're starting to get smart to it, and they're able to dodge more clearly. At which point, a laser lances down from behind you and strikes the Snallygaster. Drag take for your botch. Uh, only six damage, not a good roll. Something shot you in the back, and there is another mech on the scene. Ah, crap. Uh, oh, oh, no. What what it look like? Yeah, what did that mech look like? We're basically just all asking, is it the one we're scared it might be? No, it is not the Red Wolf. Okay, okay. Is it that chick I hate? Elizabeth's in jail. Oh, good. She got beaten the hell up by righteousness after you guys uh, destroyed her. Yeah, she did. So the mech that appears behind the Snallygaster is the Wolfhound, which, fun fact, was originally what Chris was going to call his mech, Dr. Adler's mech, before he changed his mind and made it Airbud Norbert. <laughs> I forgot this right. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at this mech and it is like the most stereotypical Gundam mech you could imagine except it's got an anchor and a ball and chain it's the RX-78 from Mobile Suit Gundam it's the first and original Gundam and yeah it has the, 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 the ball and chain mace it had in the anime it is literally like the Gundam you picture when you picture a Gundam yeah so um, it, the, the one that's behind the ship now it's a, a real big mech clearly the leader of this unit it has uh, a laser cannon and a beam sword very much like the mech that Captain Melbeck is about to claim it's a kind of uh, sister ship to that one so it's, it's, a, it's a strong military mech that's leading this unit of golden jackals which are smaller so it's kind of the boss of this needless to say and it is enemy's turn the golden jackals are going to fire on the snallygast everyone one dexterity saving throw i got an 18 15 success success 24 everything's coming up big star uh, 14 success success everyone takes half of 15 which is seven okay and then the wolfhound is going to try to stab uh, the Snallygaster, specifically Dreg. Aww. 15, 17. Uh, 17 hits. 11 damage as it slashes the Snallygaster, dealing its first significant damage and the side of the ship is ripped open. Uh, needless to say, the ship is equipped with like magical technology to block uh, hole breaches so you're not all sucked into space and killed immediately, but it's, you know, it's pretty bad. It's not great. Sasha, your turn. All right. So here's my idea. I would like to go to the nearest window. I want to stare through into the window of whoever is driving the wolfhound. I want to lock eyes with them with my owl eyes. Okay, well, I'm going to stop you there. The cockpit's in the chest. It does not have any windows. Well, I'm going to stare at it anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I would like to cast Dissonant Whispers. All right. So wisdom saving throw. That is a wisdom saving throw. 14. Ha ha. I'm 15. So the thing about Dissonant Whispers is along with the 3d6 psychic damage, uh, you also have to use your reaction to go as far away from me as the speed allows. Yep. Roll damage. 12 damage. All right. It's pretty good. You So you hit the... Uh, the wolfhound with your psychic blast and it turns and flies back uh, to the edge of this battle arena and is out of combat for now. It'll come back in a minute, but for now it is Melbeck's turn. Three golden jackals left. Uh, Three golden jackals and the one big one. Mm-hmm. The wolfhound's out of the fight for now. It'll be back eventually. Okay. I'm going to cast uh, Hunter's Mark. Classic. Which gives me an extra 1d6 on uh, damage whenever I hit the creature with a, uh, a weapon attack. So that's cool. That's good. Very nice. <laughs> and if you kill the creature, the mark jumps to the next one. It's the iconic hunter spell. Yeah, yeah. And that's up to an hour. So probably the rest of this fight. Um, so is there one of those golden things that has currently taken some damage? Yeah, the one that Dreg hit with a, a mine but didn't kill. Okay, so I'm going to Colossus Slayer again, uh, so I can do my extra 1d8 damage to it, because it's below its hit point maximum. 14? Hit. And, ooh, 10 on the second. <clears throat> you want to let that stand? I think we're going to recharge Conduits before the next arc, so. Ah, screw it, yeah, let's, let's re-roll it. 26, there we go. Yikes. Hit. Yeah, let's let's get those damage those damage rolls in. So I've got an extra one d six as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, first attack does eighteen damage. All right. Uh, and the second one, well, did I kill the first the uh, that that mech that had already taken damage? Yes. And seven damage on the next one. I'll take that. So you bl- you blow another one away, the one that was like damage from Dreg's mine. You just finish it off. Riddle it with gunfire, and it is Big Star's turn. Two golden jackals left, and the wolfhound is left. This is quite the predicament. Because I kind of want to launch Steve Boy 2.0 into space like a missile. <laughs> Please! <laughs> good, good season. Good, good season. season. <laughs> good season. And I really want to fuck up the wolfhound as well. <laughs> well, there are two golden jackals left, and they're, you know, they're... Well, I don't tell you. I don't tell you how to play your okay. character. Can I ready my action mm-hmm. so that when the wolfhound comes back into range, I launch Steve Dave 2.0 like a missile at the uh, at the wolfhound? Sure. Sweet. All right, drag. You know, and let's just proper deal with them, shall we? I mean, can we just dispense with the toying? <laughs> As around? I said, we're gonna do some murders. You're right. You know, you're right, Sasha. <laughs> murders. <laughs> Murders, that's horrendous. That's a nine on my first attack. <laughs> that's really bad. And that's a 13 for the second. Is a 13 hit? No, both those miss if you're going to let them stand. Are we Are we counting the uh, all of the, the uses of my conduit power that I did during the arc up till now? No, this is its own unique time period. Okay, if this is its own unique thing, uh, yeah, go reroll that, that shit drag. Well, that's one of those. Okay, I got an attack that hit. 14 hits. 14 Hooray! Hits. You hit something! Hooray! Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I got something. All right. So I'm going to do some damage. Yo, that was crappy. But 17 yeah. damage overall. What? Are you just cut this dude in half with a mine? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just one mine right into its 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 stomach midsection. Uh, uh, torso, I guess you'd call it. Would you call it a torso? Yeah, you fist it in half. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's like a, well, it's a it's like a punch direct to the um. I guess you know where like the legs meet. I think you'd call it the groin. Oh no! <laughs> good season, right? Did you punch that Mets dick off? It's a good, good season. season. Uh, there's one golden jackal left, and then rather than die futilely, it turns around and rips open the side of the transport ship and is going to try to destroy your mechs. Well, that's not acceptable. It is now Sasha's turn. Sasha, the golden jackal, is about to destroy your mechs. Uh, let's hold on. Shatter, what's that? Saving throw. To be clear, so it it flies down, uses its laser pistol to, like, shoot a hole, flies inside. So you can't see it. It's inside the transport ship with your mechs. Oh, it's in there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I haven't used my conduit yet. (laughs) Yeah, pull out the big guns. I was trying to think of, like, a good... Well, you have a remote control system that you had arranged in advance. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, what if what if uh, Gabriel gave me a remote control for my mech ahead of time? Oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> and my mech just, like, comes alive in the darkness of the ship. So here's what, yeah, so the, the jackal shoots a hole in the ship, flies inside, and everyone's like, oh, it's going to destroy our mechs before we get them. And so she just pulls out a little remote control, hits a button, and then you see the golden jackal gets blasted back through the hole. <laughs> And four mechs come flying out. Through the, with a sonic bork, because that's his weapon. Okay, yeah. The Shiba Inu goes, bork! <laughs> <laughs> it just fucking shoots out like a jet. And it just borks the jackal into pieces? Yeah. All right, it's reduced to shrapnel, and four mechs come streaking out of the transport ship, fly up to the Stalgaster, and their cockpits open up. Time to get in our mechs! Violet, take the helm! Pip it, Cheerio! I'm off to... I'm getting in a mech. <laughs> uh, the wolfhound turns around to face the team. Describe, uh, well, I'll just use my catchphrase. Paint me a picture of you guys getting in your mechs and facing down the wolfhound. Uh, excuse me. If the wolfhound is approached, uh-huh. then I'm using my reaction <laughs> to shoot it uh, a missile at it. Oh, Steve Dave. Yeah, well, yeah. So it sees you guys about to jump out of the Snallygaster and into your mechs, and it flies over to stop that, and it gets gut shot by a rhino-sized Tarasque robot. Does 13 hit? It does not hit. 13 does not hit. Well, I would like a reroll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let you have a reroll there. I believe I should have advantage. <laughs> Who would have expected this? No one defends against I the... I don't know if no Star is like core team enough yet that he gets rerolls. That seems hurtful. <laughs> oh! Fine, you can have a reroll. Fuck it. 21! Eat shit! <laughs> All right. Tell me what happens. Uh, well, hold on. I have to do the damage. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Uh, 16. That's not high at all. But he takes six, takes 16 damage, uh-huh. and he has to succeed on a DC 15 strike saving throw if he knocked prone in space. You, can, you can't. Which I believe means you sink to the bottom of space. You cannot be knocked <laughs> prone in space. You float around not being able to move, right? I believe you can. You can just sink to the bottom. There's a black hole to be <laughs> Also, also, are you done? Are you done, Chris? So we can do our cool scene where we jump into our new Max. <laughs> yes, you may. Okay, okay. Uh, Captain Melbeck is has jumped out into space, and she's basically pirouetting up the the um, the Saint Bernard Max shotgun to then jump into the uh, the big whiskey barrel around its neck, which is the way into the ship. There we go. 
I, I said my thing. I'm a, I buckle Objectivus into the baby Bjorn. Mm-hmm. Because that's his cockpit. Mm-hmm. And then I get into mine, and then I invite Subjectivist if he wants to come. I absolutely do not. And I frankly resent you contacting me on this channel. <laughs> okay, well, I'll add your own room in here for next time. Lose my number. <laughs> Never. I love you. We're family now. I'm just kidding. Go kill that guy. Okay, bye. Oh, Drake's not making a show of it. He's just ambling over and climbing in. It's it, it's it's time to kick some ass. Big Star is going to look at the mech, and he is going to sigh and shake his head. He says, "This is not awesome enough for me." <laughs> and he's going to go back to his little gun cannon over the side of the ship. So you're you're not going to get into Olivia's mech. You're just going to let it float in space. Yeah, it's going to go. It's going to go fly into the ship or whatever it does. Disrespectful. Fight me, Austin. <laughs> real life real life 1v1 rust I think there's something nice about like that's that's Olivia's we'll leave it there until she's ready alright so Sasha boards the Shiba Inu Captain Melbeck boards the St. Bernard Dreg boards the Mastiff and the no- <laughs> Airbud Norbert floats <laughs> silently <laughs> the Airbud Norbert floats silently that should be the name of the episode it's not, it's not good season <laughs> so that's also good. Uh, it is actually Dreg's turn. Okay. Well, I guess it's uh, time to try out these new Fists of Fury, which are you know a lot like the old Fists of Fury, just bigger, um, bigger, and 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 also furious. First attacks twenty one. Second attacks eleven. Twenty one hits. That is uh, sixteen damage. Nice. You oh, not great. Well, you fly up and you just. Piston punch the wolfhound and it flies back. It's remember it was hit by Steve, Dave, and Sasha's uh, dissonant whispers, so it's pretty banged That's up. That's true. It is now Wolfhound's turn. He's going to slash Dreg with his beam sword. Why everybody always picking on Dreg? <laughs> Twenty that hits. Uh, Fourteen damage slashes the mastiff. Youch. And then uh, the wolfhound grabs Steve, Dave two and <gasps> throws him. At the, let's say, at the captain, uh, nine, that misses. So Steve Dave 2.0 flies uh, wildly by uh, the St. Bernard. I'd like to think, uh, Big Star, you have, like, remote control. So maybe you hit the, like, booster rocket at the last second and it veers around. Oh, it absolutely has boosters on it. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to point out, while stuff is getting dodged, St. Bernard, much, much like my lovely hippo lady, Big doofy animal that you don't expect to be graceful. I want to say it's pretty graceful. Wonderful, Sasha. It's your turn. Shiba Inu time. Bark, 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 bark. <laughs> Which I think is, I, I guess shatter would be a good flavoring of it. Okay, Constitution saving throw nine. That's a fail. So that is twenty-five damage. Holy tits! How's he doing? Oh uh, yeah, so you cast Shatter, you go BORK! And the... Yeah. <laughs> so it's like supersonic energy? Yeah, it's like sonic waves, like cartoons have, because... Yeah. It hits, uh, it hits the wolfhound in like the arm, and its gun explodes, and it shears off that entire arm. It is now one arm holding a beam sword. It is... Fuck yeah. Extremely badly damaged, and now it is Captain Melbeck's turn Ooh. in the St. Bernard. 
Ooh, are you ready for this? Because I'm going to do all the fucking... all of the things. <laughs> uh, so, let's go with two attacks that have the Colossus Slayer on them. Uh, 19, does that hit? <laughs> does that hit? <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, what's the other one? 25, I'm assuming that hits. Christ almighty, yeah. So, let's do my thing with, with my Hunter's Mark and my Colossus Slayer and all of that shit added on to my big old shotgun blast, which, for flavour, the bullets that this thing shoots at just look like big old whiskey barrels because it, bullets are big <laughs> enough to see that they have designs on them when you're firing them from a mech. Good season. Uh, 14 <laughs> on the first attack. <laughs> And 11 on the seconds, that's another 25. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, paint me the picture. So the wolfhound is a one-armed mech holding a beam sword. You have both your arms, a beam sword, and a shotgun. You're fully, like, off the assembly line, fresh and new. <laughs> and this is like a beat-up war mech. What do you do? Just choreograph the anime. Um. So the St. Saint, Saint Bernard uh, mech gets a nice good running start. Very Captain Malbec style. Does a nice pirouette. And on two consecutive spins goes shotgun blast, spin, shotgun blast. Maybe get some nice slow motion in there to like really sell the uh, the the sort of agility and, and gracefulness of this big doofy dog. I think the the wolfhound like makes a, a desperation lunge with its beam sword at you while you're spinning, and then you have a beam sword in your other hand too, and so you deflect it and then the second shotgun blast is like you sticking the the muzzle like up against the cockpit and just spreading this dude across space. Maybe not the cockpit. I maybe don't want this to be like brutal murder. Just like uh. shoot shoot through the stomach of this mech. So it's like okay, okay, that 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 pilot ain't going nowhere. They aren't going to be fighting back anytime soon. But I haven't just unnecessarily just blasted through them. Okay, so you killed, like, all the Golden Jackal pilots are dead, but you're letting this guy go. I'm not gonna, like, revel in deliberately aiming to shoot for where the cockpit is. That seems a bit morose. Yeah, I mean, it's dark. I just want to be clear that if you, you, you let this guy live, he maybe shows up later. That's just a choice. Uh, fine, okay, I blow his cockpit apart. <laughs> 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 Nobody tell Olivia. Yeah, Olivia, that was honestly my thought just right there. I was like, Olivia isn't here right now. Let, let, let's, <laughs> That's my thought too. I'll do this now while I can. See, this is demonstrating how vital to the team's moral exactly. code. This this is what uh, Captain Mabek was saying earlier. We need, we need our moral compass back. I think we actually cut, like, pulled the trigger. Explosion, we cut right to a conversation with... Captain Melbeck and Sasha, like ha the rest of the teams are putting the mechs away in the uh, Snallygaster. I specifically want to note that when Drake comes back, Big Star is going to see that he's wounded and say, hold still there and allow me to give you some of what I've learned from Olivia. And he's going to cast Cure Wounds on Drake. Uh, but the way it, it comes out is uh, Steve Dave will walk up and kind of like open its mouth and a healing mist will be expelled from it onto drag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to think that Big Star was like a medical equipment engineer before he got caught up in all of this. So like he, he was always an engineer, but specifically how he knows Olivia was like, oh, he fixed, you know, fancy future science fiction technology. So 
And you can get 10 hit points back. It's going to be very vital in the remaining 10 minutes of this episode. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I was low. It was. I was not in good shape. Everyone will be up to 100% next episode. But let's cut back to Captain Melbeck and Sasha. So Captain Melbeck pulls the trigger, gets rid of the Invicta guy. And there's like they pass each other in the hallway. And Objectivist is like, so, Captain, can I be the first mate now? Oh, my God. Objectivist, shut up. Well, Dr. Adler's gone. She said I could have her body when she died, but her body's not here. I feel like I should get something. Objectivist. Do you mind just, like, chilling out in your fishbowl for a minute? No. I I, I just want to have a chat with Sasha. <laughs> I'll turn around, but I am not going to stop listening. Okay, okay, that's fine. Just, like, just, like... That's fair. Don't shout at me for a minute. <laughs> I'm just gonna be really open with you here. Um, you were the first person on this crew that I met. I've known you longer than anyone else here, and yes, go on. The way we met was as friends. I've always seen you as a friend, and that sort of sometimes stopped me from really looking enough at how. Vital oh god, where's this conversation going? <laughs> I'm saying this badly. I'm not explaining myself well. Here's here's my point. <laughs> I'm sorry that I haven't taken you more seriously, and would you be willing to be second in command on this ship? Am I good? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, like, I know I'm... I'm silly sometimes. I get it, but yeah, totally. I'm. I. I. I am not power hungry. I love this. This is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's too easy to think of you of my crypt, uh, as my cryptid loving friend that I go on adventures on the galaxy with, and sometimes I forget to go. Hey, you're also a badass that, as countless times, saved us by just thinking ahead. And think that's uh, how it works. Yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> and she saved all the people on the second floor of compassion. And she defeated an evil tree. And she stopped the elder brain from killing Dr. Adler. And she killed a mech on foot. And the objectivist goes on for like two and a half minutes describing everything Sasha's done in the season so far. I'm sorry. I don't take that side of you into account often enough. Just thank you for... For everything you do, and it's going to be an honor to fight alongside you. Ah, oh, well, I will do my best to not fuck it up. I'm good. Sasha's going to salute her. That's all right. If everything goes to shit, we'll bail and we'll go make friends across the galaxy again. It'll all be fine. <laughs> we got this. Yeah, it'll be great. Now let's figure out what we're going to do next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got we got choices. Aren't you glad that I made you second in command right now? Because there's <laughs> tough choices to make. You've got to have decisions now. All right, to end the episode, the group gathers again. You have your mechs, and you have three options for how to neutralize or how to potentially neutralize Cassius's conduit, so you can storm Drift Park and save Doctor Adler. Alien tech, alien tech. <laughs> Let's go through them again. Subjectivist says there's alien tech on Fairmont, which he believes may be tied into an illithid legend about 
time traveling technology. Mm-hmm. Ragnar says that a trained operative would know the best way to to neutralize somebody is learn their weakness from a close associate, and that Terminator Prison has plenty of Invicta people who will, if properly motivated, sell Cassius down the river. So <laughs> you go there and you find the right person and you lean on them and it'll tell you how to defeat Cassius. And the third option is Pearl says that there is an Aboleth, an ancient alien of unimaginable power, slumbering at the bottom of an ocean on a Hypatia, and that if any creature knows how to defeat Cassius, and, let's just be real, knows any of the secrets of the universe you're looking for, it'll be the Aboleth. So... I, I, I'm just going to put this, this card on the table. I don't think we mess with the Aboleth right now, because... We had a glitched out ball of energy and we didn't know how to deal with it and someone lost a limb over it. I don't know. Yeah, we, well, now we don't have Olivia. The most powerful thing in the universe is like our territory. I don't know we're ready for that. I wooed a sun dragon. We're bros now. I'm just concerned because now we don't have Olivia to absorb all of the consequences of our mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And so it may like come back onto one of us instead. Yeah, no, like... I, I love our crew, and I think we can do absolutely anything we put our mind to. I don't like our chances with the Aboleth if we fuck up, and that happens occasionally. And I also don't like uh, possibly being in the debt of an Aboleth. So. Yeah, no, like, there are certain things you don't get in debt to, and creature that we cannot do... The creature we cannot hope to defeat in battle is not a thing to be in debt to. It's funny because I've seen a lot of listeners say, like, oh, I wish we saw more of the Illithid's perspective of the war. And I, I agree, that could be cool. The problem is if I put you in a room with multiple Illithids and they dislike you for any reason, it's a party wipe. Like, yeah, just no. according to the lore, I can't put you in a room with multiple hostile Illithids yeah. because if you say anything that they don't like, you're just all dead. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I have so Drake has similar reservations about going to the prison, not least of which being it's a prison, and that's not a place he wants to go under any circumstances. Same, yeah. So tech, the tech is the option that we have the least reservations about going after. It's the one we know the least about, yeah, and therefore seems like the one that could screw us the most. Yeah. But <laughs> it's the one that we can't foresee how it's going to screw us. Oh. The reason that I was somewhat tempted by the so Austin knows how to get yeah. me. See, the reason I was some- somewhat tempted by the prison is I can make us infinitely stealthy, which is very useful for prison break, and. Just, it's it's relatively known quantities. Oh, yeah, no, it seems real easy. That's the other thing. That's definitely a trap. Yeah, <laughs> but also, just go to Fairmont. There's nothing there. It's empty. It's fine. That seems the thing like a is that trap. Austin knows me so well that I know he built this because he knows that I have to know things and that I can't not know oh, things. Oh, they're all big, juicy mysteries, my guy. Okay, okay. Here's what I'm going to suggest is... <laughs> Because Sasha has just been made second in command, I think that it's maybe narratively interesting for this decision to be driven by Sasha's lead. Let's go investigate the alien tech! And also check in on the... the guy. Yeah, check on a little glitch ball. The witch light. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's there too. Oh, well now, now the choice is clear. Yes. Yeah. Drake wants to go see his little buddy. Sure. Fair mouth it is. And the sky up above And think What am I made of? Am I full of sorrow? Am I hurt and pain? Or am I filled with love? I stay at the stars Austin holding me hostage with the music credits. Please help. Well, I mean, you know the credits. We have Your Reality, Future Bass Remix, an arrangement of Your Reality from Doki Doki Literature Club by the Musical Ghost. We have The Sound of the Galaxy, an arrangement of Freedom, Freedom's Progress from Mass Effect 2 by Overclocked Remix. And your butt. Oh, yes. I knew all of that verbatim. You knew about your butt? The secret. What did my butt ever do to you? We also have new music. Are you excited for that? Oh, shit, we do? Yeah. Is it because we did big shit? We have Where the Demon Sleeps, an arrangement of Music Box from Silent Hill by Overclocked Remix. That's the spooky song. Uh Uh-oh. That sounds real spooky. And we have new music. We have Layton's Theme, Electro Swing, an arrangement of Layton's Theme from Professor Layton in the Curious Village by the Musical Ghost. Ah! She likes that. I have it on my phone right now. I've been playing it again. Those boys are good. And we also have Big Shell West Bristol, an arrangement of Can't Say Goodbye from Metal Gear Solid 2 by Overclocked Remix. That's a lot of music. A lot of Metal Gear Solid, huh? Just the one, literally. I know, but just talk about it a lot. It's a foundational text of the me- the medium of video games. Uh, how do I cover up the fact that I don't know what you're talking about? An awful lot of Shakespeare in this here literature discussion, huh? How about a lot of Suck My Dick? <laughs> oh my god. You're in this credits discussion. <laughs> All right, well, give us the executive producers for February 2019. All right, we got Joseph Tombrello. Extellaris. Sasha's BFF Jade. Hi. Hi. Michael Groman. Conduit of Existential Dread and Ennui. Devin, Conduit of Evolution. Brent, framed for murder by podcasters, flying planes for crime, Goatly. We didn't frame Brent. Didn't Brent admit to it? It was, if there's any if there's any crimes, it was by other people in the credits, not by us. I don't know. The credits get so rowdy that I lose track. It's all part of their plan. Y'all behave. The Cult of Gorfinax. Dr. Goatman. Paul Mullen. Toshiro Kuro, editor of Attack on Dice. Random. Conduit of Would You Like a Hug. Yes, Random. Please. I feel like me wanting to get hugs is like a core part of my personality, which doesn't come across in podcast form. Yeah, because it's a lie. I'm always trying to get hugs. No, you're not, you liar. Just not from you. Oh, oh well, um... You know what Brandon you did? Williams. <laughs> Austin the Possum Refugee. Wait, I'm the Possum now? Or did they name a Possum after you? Oh, I'll hug that guy. Yep. <laughs> Andrew Grothin. She's so mad. Lay V, the Goblin Dude. Francois V. Kevin Dobbins. Robert Dakin. Anthony, patron of Dora. Anthony gets it. Morgan Rapp. Pixel Fool. Recurse, conduit of conduit. Oh god, now you broke the fiction entirely. Garrett, conduit of resting bitch face. Candace, listen to Dice Funk Starling. 
We are. I listened to that show. Me too. Rain, Conduit of Storms. BJ, Conduit of Miniature Giant Space Hamsters. That's just a regular guy, isn't it? Yeah. I'd hug one of those. Bitch. Stay mad, though. Nicole Woodruff. Isaac, Conduit of All the Gavels. Gavel, gavel, gavel. Arja Limite. C.R. Saldana, Prophet of Jesus. It's a joke about random number generation. Oh. Do you get it? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Dylan, the sombrero-wearing cat. I, I love would watch- you, Dylan. I would watch that YouTube channel. Hunter Howlin. Me too, Hunter. Oh. Oh. Delilah Coffin, conduit of vampirism itself. If your na- last name is Coffin, I feel like you kind of walked into that life, huh? Yeah, you got no choice. Zach Crenshaw. Hashtag him's penis broke. Oh no, fix it. No, it's too late. Joanna the Wrench Witch. <laughs> I feel like that was very hard not to say Wrench Wench. It just comes off the tongue so naturally. Wrench yeah. Squid Cap, the conduit of follow me on Twitter at Squid Cap itself. Okay, they've, they've hacked the Matrix. Tara, conduit of ennui. That's the second one. You guys should you guys should be friends. Yeah. Grinning Isaac, conduit of sad laughter. Oh, why sad? Probably because it's the podcast. Oh, yeah. But all right. Arachnovolt. Quanduit. Quanduit. I don't know if that's a joke or if I'm being rude to a typo. Quanduit of vigilante justice itself. You should read the second one because I want to read the one after it. Okay, that's how this works now. After, yeah, <laughs> for the audience, uh, this isn't an alphabetical order this month. Patreon's going through some stuff. So so if you set up a clever message putting them in alphabetical order, you've been foiled by Jack Conti. Once again, Aftershock, conduit of talking shit about Winifred's mouth. Ooh, litigate me, Daddy Yorsky. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear that. Could you give me one more? Ooh, litigate me. <laughs> I can't do the rest. Fuck off. I don't think anybody's ever called me daddy in a sexual context. Someone asked me to spit in their mouth recently, and I was like, but what? why are we doing Why is this life? Really? Why is this happening? Anyway, this is too much information. How'd that go? <laughs> Cohobast. Nathaniel Homan. Callum, hey, please keep being excellent. Turner, I'm trying. I'm trying, Callum. Apparently he's spitting in people's mouths. <laughs> d- honestly, I didn't do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> Miles, conduit of I cast sleep on Violet. Someone has to. A barking dog. Tito Golden, tickets to heaven, Watts. I feel like I fucked that up. Well, if they have tickets to heaven, they're a pretty good person. I'm sure they'll understand. Jayish. Jayish Wizard. The Wizard of Jay. <laughs> okay. Charlie, Charlie, chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Oh my god. <laughs> I heard the, mm. I'm sorry, I was just laughing at Charlie Chocolate again. Uh-huh. Skitch.fanclub slash skitch. I'm sure we could just add some onto that. They won't mind. Dot skitch.com slash skitch. Slash bandcamp. Dot bandcamp slash skitch. Ian Morgan. Dr. Izix. Frank Sands. Shocking link. Conduit depre- depressed millennials. Hey, sup? <laughs> uh lugubrious t- well <laughs> lugubrious lugubrious i want to say that more lugubrious i am tim conduit of drag based fan fiction Ooh, is it horny though yeah i don't think drag would appreciate it always jamie conduit of finally of finally being able to give austin money thank you i appreciate it deeply and truly even with all the jokes about me being daddy or whatever 
Austin, I'm Yorski. Because it's Valentine's month. Oh my god, it is. We've missed so many uh, we missed so many good jokes. I knew. You have to keep me on the ball. I always forget what month it is. Okay, I guess. <laughs> Chris, resolution fail failed walling. What was your well, Good luck, Chris. The rest of the year. <laughs> There's still plenty of time, buddy. A hungry otter begging for food or pets. The saddest possible thing I could think of, honestly. Give it to him. Jonathan Colton and Justin Timberlake need to re-record 1st of May at Joe Co. J. God, that's just a lot of that's a lot of references all in one thing, huh? I don't get any of it. You don't know who Jonathan Colton and Justin Timberlake are? That penguin who secretly lives in your sock drawer. I love him. He's my new best friend. B-Ray Echo. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Carino Prime Conduit of putting it in the butt. Carino's living his best life, honestly. Good job, Carino. Have fun. Be safe. Austin, if you kill a PC this season, I'm going to eat that entire ass. I feel like Carino and this person should maybe work out an arrangement. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know. Or, hey, we're making matches here in the credits. They have some interest in common. Midlife stasis. Simmons, Conduit have been correct on the first try. Wait, what's the... Okay. Jealous Goddess cosplay. Mm-hmm. Ethan Lawrence. Master Rank blushes when Lawrence says his name. Aw, that's cute. <laughs> No, that's not a no. Why don't laugh? What? You made it sound patronizing with your laugh. <laughs> oh, should I? Okay, I have to change my laugh up. Oh. <laughs> no, the haughtiest laugh. I should do the the Ojo Sama laugh. <laughs> Kyle Badsvik. Oh, this one's not nice. <sighs> <laughs> I feel very called out. Andrew Fedge. <laughs> nope. Maybe? Conduit of one day I'll get my name right itself. Don't bet on it, Andrew. <laughs> nope, I'm bad. Trevor S. Conduit of car flipping itself. Trevor, please. I think it might be a reference to the film Glass. Cormac, Conduit of empty carbs. Lasagna. Brady, Conduit of target acquired eliminate Scott. <laughs> oh my god, Brady. We have to warn I Scott. I am smudged, jumped in fudge through all the cleanest rooms like trench. <laughs> That's extremely good. Just imagine a sad owl. But why? Why would you do this? Door, conduit of self-destruction. Yeah. Jen. Kate, conduit of instant regret. Yeah. Beef Swellington. Okay, that's pretty good. (laughs) Coram, conduit of atoning after using Jane Austen quotes for evil. 20 Years Dungeon, Nina Person. Rulon, the flutinous, tutinous condiment of nitpickery. Michelle Minkler, Condit would have. Ah! Oh no. I was probably going to ruin the audio. Isaac, Conduit of Fish Shark Marketing. One more season. Tim Luton. Sir Octopus, Conduit of Chivalrous Cephalopods. Alex Vepra. Logion, Conduit of Fatigue. Christina, Conduit of this Bozog Space Rebellion itself. The revolution will be loud. And high pitched. <laughs> Jay Poirier. What if I just did all the whole credits in Bozog voice? Anime Jesus! Andy Harkins! Robert E. Kef Baker! I don't think my vocal cords can withstand this. Oh. Shane Sedgwick. John Beresford. Donnie Frost. <laughs> Birth is a curse, <laughs> existence is a prison. Fuck yeah, let's get wild, dude. I should read these beforehand. That one sucker punched me. Um, 
Shane and Ware, Conduit, I'm never going to give you up. Okay, we got Rickrolled. Honestly, that's not the worst thing they've done to us. It's not. Yeah. Uh, Austin Yorsky, Conduit of Good Boy itself. I try. Yeah. Reynard, the Conduit of Slightly Less Stoned. Yeah, because I won. I stopped going for your crown. Matthew Schultz. Aaliyah. I don't have a joke name this month, so instead I'll say, you're great. And then it cuts off. It could be green. It could be... (laughs) Uh huh. Great. It could be Grillubilius. <laughs> Jermaine D. Walls. Ashley, no, just Ashley. Sam Stanowitz. S. Kearney, Cat Dragon versus Shark to Crabs. It's a Ma- Magic the Gathering reference. Oh, nerds. John <laughs> Carey, but not that one. Uh huh. D- nerds, you know, unlike Lauren, who's on the D&D podcast. I've never been a nerd. Uh huh. My Valentine is postmodern artist Cy Twombly. <laughs> Killer Automat. I just watched uh, Velvet Buzzsaw and there was a crate in the art museum labeled Twombly. I don't know if there's any connection. Ozymandias, conduit of despair. Transient passerby. Ink drop, conduit of ooze. Your boy's time with his birthing mom, Vanifar. Once again, Magic the Gathering, we have really good fans. Emma, birthday 22nd, happy early birthday. And on the week that it's your birthday, happy birthday. Also, Moose isn't a cat. Is Moose a, is moose a dog? Is Moose a moose? Is Moose a bird? Tell us next month, Emma. <laughs> you can't just leave us hanging. We have to know about Moose. Also, happy birthday. Justin, conduit of burning Aussies alive and freezing American solid. Okay. okay. Justin, Justin, are you climate change? Justin, you have to tell me for climate change. What the fuck, Justin? That's really uncool. Conduit of please more weasel, please. Yeah. Agreed. Big agree. I feel like the guy who likes weasels was like my entire aesthetic when I started on the internet and people forgot until I went weasel crazy. People forget how much you really like weasels. They're extremely good. Low-key Loki. Holodeck needs pangolins. I'm not as good as llamas. Schmendrick, the magician. Last of the Red Hot Swamis. I don't get it. I'm sorry. Is that Me like there? Uh, Julian Phillips, Lindsay Buckingham, Jeff Clark, Lauren Cates, the conduit of the forms themselves. They everyone really wants to break this fiction so badly. They're horny for it. Too powerful. <laughs> Counterfeit. How do I make friends? Regards, conduit of social faux pas. Oh, I don't know. I've got like two. Bring it. Bring them sandwiches. If someone just brings me a sandwich, you're my friend. Fair. Richard G. Coles. Kiefer Lowe. E. Corin. Dragon in the server room. Dr. Tao. Sean Lyons Burke. Zemnis, conduit of man sex. <laughs> it's an anagram. Zemnis is a character from Kingdom Hearts. I don't, why do I explain every oh. joke to you? <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. Matthias, it's fine. Just call me Matt. Well, you just put it in the beginning, Matt. <laughs> if you put <laughs> it like Matt. It's too late if you say it later. It's fine. Just call me Matt. Love you guys. Lakeets. Okay, sorry. We yelled Matt. (laughs) (laughs) I flew off the handle there. I'm back. Janie at Conduit of Loving Laura and doing butt touches. Get your hands off that butt. (laughs) Harley Astor. Put the butt down. Step away from the butt. I'm the butt police. (laughs) Stop. Butt time. Laura's back with the brand new credits. Harley Astor. I said that. Too bad. It's mine. And you value conduit of mediocrity itself. 
Oh no, I, I, go back. You can have Harley Aster. <laughs> Conduit of Heike crushing on Austin. No, I'm Harley Aster. You're I down. tried to save you and you you played yourself. I did. I didn't look ahead. I should. I fucked up. Scott. Yeah. Scott going did nothing wrong. The precursor. Did we already see a Scott Cummings? I feel like Scott Goings has destroyed Scott Cummings. No, I don't know. Honestly. Jerry, buy your girl flowers. Yeah, do it. Couldn't hurt. Jaspel, I'm a bad babysitter. Got my boyfriend in the shower. That's a reference. I can feel it. I feel it in my bones. I feel it. Yeah. John Barnett. <laughs> Condiment of cucumber itself. <laughs> uh huh. Eat a booty gig LLC. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just didn't understand what you said. You're half gonna say it again. Eat. A booty gang LLC. <laughs> booty, 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 rocking everywhere. <laughs> Killer Cotton Shizno. Did I just say that? Nicholas Dominic. Zamis <laughs> Bro. Anna, conduit of procrastination. Andrew Birmingham. Douglas Williamson. I won't read this name. He got you. You have to resign from the podcast. He got you. Bye. Those are the rules. Z23619. Why are you still here? I'm going to eat your whole face. <laughs> <laughs> you don't read the credits. Vizzy Huggles. Keep up the great work, y'all. They love it. See? J-Log and Conduit of Queerness itself. The cast of Dungeons the Gathering. Notorious Christmas Conduit of Ho 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 itself. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> did <laughs> you miss my two months? Are you Vic- okay, Notorious? Victoria Melito. Scotty Vilhard. Aline. Majin. Kato Crit, Conduit of Deception. Anar, thanks. Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> I love when the, the punctuation gets sassy. Yeah. Carter Rayner. Highway to Mel. Matthew Beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Indie Monsters looking forward to another year of name butchering Winewick. You're welcome. What is it? What? How else we get Wenwick? Ween. <laughs> yeah, Weenwick. <laughs> uh, Josie, conduit of complicated magic systems. Subtweet. Razuma Yazura. Albert West. Ken, conduit of finally writing this goddamn PhD dissertation. Proud of you, Ken. Doctor Ken. Eleanor Nantesi's Periton. Guinevere Cummings. Wait. Starlight Glimmer, who unlike Brent, Brent. Has done nothing wrong. The plot's thickening, and I feel like you don't care. Jewman Jack, but sexy like a predator. Mel Teach piloting a little grand. Sorry, <laughs> I know you saw that word in your entire brain. <laughs> My brain just shut down for a minute. Zolisquently, Zolos. Nope. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Urgent decoding. Oh, okay. I think we're going to give it another try. We're just moving on. Zolo Litsakunti. Hold on. I have to Google this to see what it is. I'm sure it's something. Yeah, it's those weird naked dogs, right? Also known as the Mexican hairless dog. I know my dogs, y'all. All All right. Meltyke got you. Made you say it. All right. Urgent decoding. Grimlock. John Potts. Noah Sudret. Zephosaurus. Z Labnagard, <laughs> elderly goose conduit of backwards anime winning. Oh, it's Dragon Ball Z backwards, elderly goose, you, you son of a bitch. 
rowdy little boy. <laughs> we can't, we can't just assume people's size and gender. Okay, you're rowdy, and I don't know what you are. Uh-huh. Other than an elderly goose. Brent, you large child. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, you large baby. Seraph Stone. Uh, uh, also Salad Child. Salad Child and Seraph Stone. <laughs> Caster UK. Aki Savalainen. In case you couldn't hear me. Gaster UK. Why are we saying it like that? Because I'm rowdy. This is going to be held at it. Florian H. I enunciated that one. Did you enjoy it? Valentina de Amor. Conduit of giving hugs to those that need them, which is me because Austin refuses. Dylan L. The Hadsels. Melissa Nielsen. It's done, baby! Pruitt Holcomb. Shanus. Shard Points Professor of Astrophysics. Dennis Pancake Detlefson. Miko from Finland. Dennis Bangston. And Diego Vandane. Sydney Marzing. Just a jester. Brady, conduit of failed murder. Good that you failed, but don't do any more attempts. There's like eight people now who are claiming that they're the murderers, so I think you're off the hook anyway. Yeah. Kitty Foe. James Neely. M. Joe. Or is it mmm, Joe? Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joe, come over here. You're looking tasty. <laughs> Stop pouring things, Austin. Joe's looking like a snack. Run, Joe, run. Lana Seawolf, Lady of Bones. Toby Gleason Stack. A, a Bozog blew my cover in theaters January 3035. I panicked because I saw it was a Bozog blue, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, our fans are bad. <sighs> Cameron Abbas. Dylan. Anna. Sean, the host of Funk Tunk Place. Harrison Andrew. Christopher Charlow. Vigar Arnston. And Cody Jackson. I think this is a brand new record for the longest it's taken us to record credits at a, a cool 53 minutes since we started this call. I was call. just thinking that. Holy shit. We have to do something. Do so you think, it would it be unconscionable if I raised the price for the credits, executive producer credit? It's $5 right now. Hey fans, what do you think? Comment, like, and subscribe. <laughs> just gotta pass <laughs> the buck on to them, huh? Try to put you on the spot. Um, I don't know. Do you need it? How hungry are you? I'm so hungry. All right, then maybe you should. I really want to eat a whole lasagna. <laughs> I mean, you're a grown-ass man. Just do it. Just go get a lasagna. Also, in frequently asked questions, people always ask, what, when do we record? And it's the Patreon updates on the 5th of every month. The 5th. So that's usually the cutoff. I wonder, is there, yes, Walmart, I was going to say, where can you get a lasagna at this time of night, but. Oh, yeah, also we're recording this at one in the morning, in case you couldn't tell. No, we're just having an extremely normal one. <laughs> I'm always having a normal one. Okay, for the other people on the show who are not having a normal one, Conrad at Conrad Zimmerman, he does podcasts, he's on Jim Sterling's Movie Boys, aka Spinoff Doctors of Horse, a BoJack Horseman podcast, <gasps> Laura Kate Dale, Laura K. Buzz Everywhere kotaku.co.uk YouTube Check out her books Queer and Pleasant Strangers Is that it? That's another podcast Yeah She's also on a bunch of Jim Sterling stuff Just go to her Twitter You'll find it all YouTubes She has a YouTubes Oh That shit too I should speak up I can see my waveforms are getting small I'm pulling a Lauren Well it's nice to have things named after me <laughs> uh, Chris Chris Larios on Twitter. He's at Weekly Manga Recap. That's patreon.com slash Weekly Manga Recap. Send him money. He's very sad. 
He's great. I'm at patreon.com slash Austin Yorski. That's where that's I'm trying to buy a lasagna. Send him lasagna. But Jack Conti is taking all lasagnas. What? He's the guy who runs Patreon. Oh, is he is he taking everyone's lasagna? Yeah. It's a whole controversy. It's called Lasagna Gate. Whoa, 2019 is shaping out to be a big year. And Lauren, where are you? Uh, Rargalicious. That is R-A-W-R-G-L-I-C-I-O-U-S. I'll remember that. Search Dice Funk. Go to people. I'm there. <laughs> I mean, you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, somewhere else? Uh, Podbean? That's a place. Find us. Subscribe. Rate. You know how to, you know how to do it. You're smart. Say nice things, but don't say mean things. I'll eat your lasagna. Also cry.